Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Cold Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash coldpopsha. Your, your best start believing in podcasts about Pirates of the Caribbean, Mr. Martin. You're in one. <laughs> Very funny start to the podcast. It was always going to start this way. Uh, yeah, pro- that was provided to you by uh, my co-host, mm. Alexander Jones, a.k.a. Alex Jones. No, <laughs> don't tell people that's my name. My name is AJ, and yes... I am annoyed that I share a name with someone more famous and I'll confidently say worse than me. Wow. Um, but more successful. Yeah. So I guess worse as a matter of perspective. Mm. And I'm embarrassed to say that I share a podcast with someone who shares the name of it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, what is what is this podcast speaking well, of which? This podcast is called the Cop Hopshire podcast. <laughs> However, this specific series within that podcast uh, is called Film Franchise Fortnights, where myself, Richard, and my beautiful partner, AJ, partner in podcasting, not life partner, um, AJ, uh, we we you cover film franchises. Mm, every two weeks, we've done, this will be our 111th? 111, baby. 111th film franchise. Arguably, there are um, nuances to that statement. And there are, there are those who doubt we've watched any of them. <laughs> do you reckon there, have- are, there are Cole Popsha truthers who, who claim that we've never... <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely. do know of one guest who didn't watch the films or who didn't watch all of the films, mm. uh, but never told us on the podcast, but I found out. What? Who yeah. was it? Well, I don't want to spoil it. Tell me. Uh, I'll bleep it. I'm alluding to it. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Who's done this? I'm Why just, a, this I'm just alluding to a fun little, little behind the scenes trivia, un- which had happened until now. Was unbeknownst to AJ. Um, so today oh. we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. And mm. just off the bat, I'm going to be pronouncing it Caribbean, not Caribbean. Uh, okay. What are you going to be doing? I'll probably absentmindedly switch between them, terrified that if I commit to one, I'll be chastised by the the, the camp of the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, I, I don't know. Yeah, I've just always grown up saying Caribbean. Caribbean. Oh, I don't know. Depends on the yeah, context. Let's see. Let's let's see. Someone out there count how many times we say. Jack either. Sparrow says it in the first one. Is Caribbean? I think. 
Anyway, anyway, there's going to be a lot of pirate voice on this episode, I think. Should, this, should we do it. the same thing we did with Terminator, where you're not allowed to impersonate? Absolutely not. <laughs> pirate voice is Oh my so god, much- I've been working on my Jack Sparrow all week. <laughs> <laughs> pirate voice is so much more fun than Schwarzenegger voice. Yeah, all right. And it's got lots of different versions. Maybe you're a confident pirate, like an R, Or maybe you're a lackey pirate, like a Yarr. <laughs> You, you've got self-confidence issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think pirates suffered from self-confidence issues? Here's here's what I want to know with pirates is that when pirates were around, they weren't exactly um, celebrated individuals of society. And now, you know, 300 years later, we have, you know, not only pirate movies, but we have like little kids pirate TV theme park shows. rides <laughs> <laughs> like preschool shows about pirates and stuff you know and it, it makes you wonder what kind of like horrible in 300 like, years it's like isis of the middle yeah, east right, <laughs> right isis of the desert or something are we going to have that i guess i guess pirate is a bit more broad than like terrorist but i've always thought that that like mm. When when will there be a Disney terrorist movie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it'll um, be about a good terrorist. Yeah, 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 like a wacky terrorist. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, Pirates of the Caribbean is uh, currently has five films in the franchise. So, uh, but you've kind of got like what's considered like an original trilogy, and then they kind of like followed that up with with some more films or like a couple of attempts to kind of re- reinvigorate mm. it uh but you got pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl that came out in 2003 uh then you got pirates of the caribbean dead man's chest three years later 2006 which was shot back to back with pirates of the caribbean at world's end in 2007 which came out in 2007 then you've got uh pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides 2011 uh and then finally for now pirates of the caribbean dead men tell no Ooh. tales in 2017 <laughs> Very cool. Pirates of the Caribbean. This is a big, big franchise for the podcast about franchises. Yeah. This is this is one of the big ones, probably one of the more defining franchises of our lifetimes. Mm. Um and I wanna say the last the last great Spielbergian action adventure franchise. We haven't had one. Not a big enough one. Well, yeah, and, and I guess we'll probably talk about this more, but my kind of way of looking at it is that like pirates of the caribbean was the last great adventure movie the first one um and then that genre just kind of got usurped by superhero movies like that that, that fills the gap in the market and there's enough of them that um uh you know that that you don't need that that, that's hard for an action adventure to come through but then i would i would say the closest thing we've had recently is uh the jumanji sequels i agree uh yeah, and yeah, then but- uh jungle cruise next year what's well, now mm. been moved to next year is clearly trying to fill that same void and i'm looking forward to these these movies um also i guess in between parts of the caribbean and the like superhero onslaught we maybe you could maybe say transformers slots in there somewhere mm. as yeah, well yeah. but even transformers was like transformers could have been that like et indiana jones-esque action adventure movie or the mummy brendan fraser's mummy movie but it it, it was just too too gross yeah well you think, <laughs> but then you look at like it is possible it is definitely possible you look at something like bumblebee yeah exactly exactly yeah so yeah. Shall we crack on with talking about the first film? So, Please. Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, The Curse of the Black Pearl, uh, is directed by Gore Verbinski, 
Um, it's also uh, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, who is like kind of one of the big names in creating mm. this franchise. When he walks past you, you hear the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song quietly playing, just emitting <laughs> from his body. Uh, so, AJ, what is this film about? Spare right, no so- detail. Spare no detail. Okay, so it is in broad terms. I'll go broad and then I'll go into the minutia. G- g- give us like six minutia? plot synopses, <laughs> each one with more detail than the last. <laughs> um, so broadly, it's set in the early seventeen hundreds, um, and yeah. well, no, it's mid early to mid. There's like, they established for the first one a thirty year period between seventeen twenty and seventeen fifty that it could take place, but then I think right. the fourth one explicitly takes place in seventeen fifty. Right. Okay. So somewhere in there, and um, it follows a bunch of different characters, including a cursed pirate ship called the Black Pearl, um, and it's a bunch of cursed pirates who to crew this ship because they all stole a medallion and let's get the rules of the medallion established up top because yeah. they're sli- ever so slightly confusing i think <laughs> if if you're not paying attention so a bunch of pirates stole um this aztec treasure that it was a bunch of coins um and they spent them all and then were cursed so that they they talk about how like they feel like shit basically they they can't <laughs> they're like taste. oh i'm fucking naked eh yeah yeah they, they can't <laughs> taste they can't they can't feel anything they can't feel they're any immortal pleasure. and when they go into the moonlight the they are revealed that they're actually scally men um <laughs> scally boys men. Yeah. um and so they it's sort of they are the the antagonistic force that are chasing after elizabeth swan who is a governor's daughter who has the last of the aztec medallions um and her uh would-be lover uh will turner who um is the heir to the one cursed black pearl pirate that they threw overboard because he felt bad yeah. um and so they need will turner's blood to return the last medallion with will turner's blood to break the yeah. curse and complete what, what i haven't mentioned is that there's also a wacky pirate <laughs> who's essentially the protagonist of the series um though maybe shouldn't be and i'm sure we'll talk more about that uh who is captain jack sparrow who was uh mutinied by the black pearl used to be the captain but mute mute mutinied muted mutined um by the black pearl moments before they stole the treasure and got cursed um and so his kind of uh interconnected journey is he just wants the black pearl back yeah. um and he and there's you know there's a there's a moment in it where he talks about how funny it is that he was cast out just before they all stole the treasure so he actually narrowly missed out on the curse um and it's sort of like like so elizabeth initially t- tells them that her surname is turner so they think she's the heir and um then they find out it's will and it's this whole swashbuckling adventure of going to different islands and different places and different monsters and all sorts of things it is richard it is maybe my favorite blockbuster of all time this is an yeah. excellent film it's um this is a this is a ten out of ten. It's a five star yeah, film. It's, absolutely, it's one of the all time great blockbusters. Um, I agree. I was I was too scared to see it in the cinema. I was only ten years old, um, and the the trailer with the with the zombie pirates. Um, but then my sister went to go see it. Became obsessed with Johnny Depp, and then I mm. caught it on on video between the first one and the second one. Uh, and yeah, I was like, "Fuck, this is this is amazing!" Like, yeah, I can see why everyone yeah. loves this. And I, I, I'll admit, it was a little bit scary, but okay. Um, 
Um, no, I yeah, I love this movie. I think it is so exciting and fun and like something that the sequels lack. Uh, it's very family friendly, which I feel like the sequels mm. aren't as much, um, despite being scary. But again, it's we've talked about this. Well, it's it's that kind of like that the the trusting the family to be family friendly, like yeah. it, it, like the, they they did in the eighties and the nineties. Whereas today, mm. it's like well, if it's family friendly, it means. Um, has to only appeal to kids, but there's a couple of things in there for mum and dad. Yeah. Um, whereas this is yeah. like, you know, it's 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 made to be watched by a family. So maybe someone that might be a bit young for the kind of zombie pirate things. It's like you're watching it with mum and dad, and you feel safe. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, and yeah. so it's like, and actually, it's 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 not a kids film. It's actually made to be watched as a family. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's it's excellent. Uh, what else? So getting more into the minutia. Um. What else do I need to say? What, what are you wanting me to? Oh, you don't actually have to. That was very good. Um. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Um. <laughs> so it's interesting you mentioned about the, the mutiny because kind of um one of the things that uh appealed to the actors with the script is that like, so pirate movies were big in like the forties and fifties. It's a it was a famously right. dead genre for a long time. There's a film called Cutthroat Island, which was one of the biggest bombs of all time, and that oh, wow. was like the final nail in the coffin for the pirate genre. Then Pirates of the Caribbean came along and everyone was like, Oh my god, like you can actually make a good pirates movie again. But pirate movies are all kind of like follow the same kind of formula. There's always a mutiny and they're always after some treasure. However, it's in Pirates of the Caribbean, the mutiny's already happened and it's about pirates trying to return treasure. Which is like a fun like spin on it, mm. but yeah, the 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 production of this film is kind of interesting. It's like th- this this film is like is lightning in a bottle. Yeah, like actually, it's one of those like every single thing came together to make the best possible film. All these things that wouldn't happen today, they wouldn't have happened a year earlier, they wouldn't have happened a year later, but sure, they they everything just fell into place and created this like perfect blockbuster. They the film had been worked on since the nineties and. It, at that point, it was kind of just like a straight pirate movie. It was just going to be this big swashbuckling adventure. And Jack Sparrow was like your typical kind of like macho, super straight um, hero. Errol Flynn is like, they keep saying it's like an Errol Flynn type. Um, but, you know, would be played by like Matthew McConaughey or something like that. Like in the right. 2003 Matthew McConaughey we're talking. Um, right, who, yeah. he, so he'd, he'd just wear like a vest and he would just have his abs out and it would be like oh this who's this ah, cool yeah. guy take us on adventure it was actually written for hugh jackman um but he yeah. wasn't considered enough a big enough star at the time um but then they managed to get uh johnny depp on board who was uh a well-respected actor but maybe not like bankable at the time so this really like thrust him into like a-list kind of oh and it's yeah. it's the performance of his career 100 oh, this this is the johnny depp yeah. role right yeah um but when johnny depp came on board and it was like the, the, you can find um online like uh concept art of jack sparrow when johnny depp was first cast and it's very he's got the eyeliner and stuff like that but he doesn't have the scraggly beard he's kind of just like it just looks like a handsome johnny depp with eyeliner um mm-hmm. but then him and gore verbinski sort of workshop this this other version of the character and the the, the genesis of it was that Johnny Depp, and, and a lot of this is like, if you know a little bit about Pirates of the Caribbean, you probably know a lot of this behind the scenes. Yeah, it's sure. one of those kind of <laughs> movies, but it, you know, it, it's worth mentioning. Um, is that, uh, so his idea was, well, pirates were the rock stars of the 1700s. So he would base his performance on his friend, Keith Richards, who's, you know, obviously a famous rock star, uh, who would later appear in the third and fourth films playing his father. 
But yeah, so he kind of bases performance on that. So it's like, it's a little bit drunk. It's a little bit like fluid sexuality um, and things like that. And the Michael Eisner and Bob Iger, like hated this the, 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 the heads of Disney they, they fucking hated it and apparently like while they were like in pre-production and even like there's rumors that like even while they were filming they were trying to shut the movie down because they were like no he's too gay he's too um like all these things it's, it's he's too um you know like drunk and flamboyant and all this stuff and it's not going to work uh but there was uh Dick Cook, who was the chairman of Disney, apparently was like the one guy that was like, I, I think this is going to work kind of thing. And so he, he kind of would and, and developed a lot of respect um, amongst them. But that isn't to say that all of Johnny Depp's ideas were good for the film. Uh, there's mm. there's a famous thing that um, Johnny suggested that Jack should have had his nose cut off at some point and it had been like hastily reattached um, and had now like turned blue um because it was like the circulation wasn't very good um and instead of like being scared of things like drowning and stuff he would be scared of like the common cold and pepper um anything that makes you sneeze i think there is that that's a cool idea for a character but Mm. i think jack sparrow already has enough that he doesn't need an extra quirk like that yeah exactly like a blue nose pirate sounds like the stuff of legend Um, (laughs) and maybe that could have been one of the villains as opposed to yeah you know yeah exactly um but yeah so um what do you what would you what would you say the film is on on Rotten Tomatoes uh 96 you would think so wouldn't you it's 79 percent what the hell who who doesn't like this movie but um and the critic score is only 86 wow that's insane and it's um that offends me yeah i will say though that this is and you know a little hint for later on uh this is the only film that's rated fresh what really yeah i didn't know that yeah i thought we were in the minority for being a a pirates of the caribbean purist yeah should we just get this out of the way now that (laughs) um the first one like so you know how we we talk about how like some franchises have like only one like great one and then like a bunch of good ones or like only one good film pirates of the caribbean has one great film yeah and no other good films (laughs) so pirates of the caribbean in a way is the perfect franchise in that each film arguably is half as good as the last one (laughs) um the, it, the, and we you know we're not the first ones to say this and listen i know i know some of the listeners out there are like oh the second one <laughs> <laughs> listen listen to me i this series i don't think we're going to talk, talk about this so early but this series is infuriating yeah it is one of the like the sequels to this perfect film uh, so like missed the mark by such a huge margin <laughs> that it makes me want to fucking cry and it's it's like it's not even like all the ingredients weren't there yeah. the director returned for the first two sequels and all the cast returned it's like some with the you you make this this swashbuckling mega hit with the first one and then you sit down and you go okay where do we take the sequels and it's it's honestly like they committed to the worst possible direction. And yeah, they never looked back. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, it more, like. but that I'm is. Sorry. A, I'm sorry, I'm jumping the gun. I, I, that is a kind of, you know, 
fun little tease for what we think of the remaining films i this is this is going to be a an impassioned podcast oh, 100 going to be yeah. depressing and upsetting for you for me for you for the listeners it's going to be this is a tragedy this is a tragedy this is a <laughs> hollywood tragedy um and we'll talk more about why that is exactly but in the meantime i want i want to cozy up into the little nook that is the curse of the black pearl a yeah. 10 out of 10 yeah let's spend as much time talking about as we can so i i watched this film a week ago for the podcast um i watched all the rest of them this week finished part five last night everyone in my flat went to bed and i was like you know what i'm just gonna re-watch the first one so i re-watched the first one again and i was like ah oh, i love this movie so much it's so yeah. good it's yeah one of the best um, movies ever made. which is um so that's i think three times now on the there's our third franchise uh where one of the hosts of this podcast has rewatched a film in the fr- in the fortnight because wow. i i watched spongebob sponge out of water uh, twice yeah. because i watched it and then i was telling dave about it and he was like do you want to watch it again and i was like yeah why not uh and i watched scream yeah twice um and now you've done it with um Pirates of the Caribbean and I loved it I loved it it I got more out of it the second time yeah watched it the second time with subtitles on so that I could understand a little bit all more the pirate like, language yeah well and like the, with with the rules of the universe I I don't want to say it's confusing it's just if you if you stop paying attention for a bit and it's not like you get lost it's just it's more you gain more from perfectly understanding the, yeah the rules of the curse and things like that yeah yeah um mm. let's talk about the characters so okay. um johnny depp <laughs> as jack sparrow you yeah. mentioned it before but what a good performance like it, it's performance. it's one of those things that like <laughs> you know it's all it's like it's lost on children today how good he was in the first film <laughs> like he was nominated for best actor at the academy awards for Insanity. this film check out who he was up against actually as well um but yeah what do, what do you think of Joan Depp? do you want to describe just how like well it's it's first of all when this came out um and maybe it was more the sequels than this one but for those who are too young to remember at this time in the 2000s johnny depp was the greatest living actor and i'm not saying he was i'm saying that's how he was treated like johnny yeah. depp was fucking hot property right yeah and i i remember reading an imdb message board thread that was that was like i wonder what the day will be like when johnny depp dies <laughs> and it was like it was written like you know with the world would be um the, it would be less for the, this this perfect actor taken out of mm. out of out of this mortal coil yeah. it, it was like, um it was kind of yeah because of this film that like that he reached that status for sure. yeah um I, so I didn't actually see this film in the cinemas. I saw it based on a thousand recommendations afterwards. I think my family watched it and we all really enjoyed it. I've, I saw all but the fourth one in theaters though, mm. um, but we'll get more to that onto that later. Um, but Johnny Depp, it's it's just this strange, out of left field performance that if I were directing the film and Johnny Depp brings this idea forward that he plays Keith Richards, I'd be like. Ah, nah. oh, I don't know who that is. Sorry, <laughs> it's it's just one of those things where it's like I wouldn't be brave enough to go all in on the the bankable stuff. Well, I guess he wasn't that bankable, but yeah. Well, but but, but it's, it's like um, I mean, like trying to think of the, the same kind of level of like really respected actor who most people know but hasn't done like 
this kind of role i mean it would almost be like if you if you're making a huge disney blockbuster and ryan gosling's like i just want to fucking go all out mm, yes yeah, you know like like an actor who's like known for kind of a bit more prestigious kind of things but is really well respected mm. and everyone knows who he is and yeah. it's like fuck dude like you might tank your career with this yeah yeah exactly and so I think the the character is so good in the first one, especially because if you actually balance um, the all the different pieces of the plot and how they work together, because I, I was thinking about this a lot when I rewatched it last night. What's great about it is that um, the villains, the the cursed crewmen of the Black Pearl and Captain Barbosa, um, played by Jeffrey Rush, they are incredibly sympathetic villains, and I think mm. that's. That's very cool. It's not like they want to break the curse so that they can take over the world. Mm. They just want to break the curse. But and, he just wants to eat an apple and fuck. And and if if Johnny Depp or Captain Jack Sparrow's presence wasn't in this film, like if I was Will Turner, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll go with you. Yeah, I'll go for a trip. Yeah, I'll go for a trip. I'll break your curse for you. Yeah. There's almost no needed animosity between them. The animosity comes from the fact that they wronged Jack Sparrow. Yeah. So Jack Sparrow actually provides the catalyst with which the the villains are the villains. Without Jack Sparrow, they're not villains. Yeah, they're just pirates. Trying, uh, yeah. They would be the main characters of the movie, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and But they're bad people. They're bad people, and that's what's crucial to it. And so Jack Sparrow could be taken out of the film um and you would have you know a perfectly adequate pirate film but he's he's what brings the stakes in a way yeah because he's why they're villains he's why they're, they're bad yeah. guys and that the apparently that the zombie pirate element was added quite late in the game because wow. um obviously we haven't really mentioned this but it's based on a a ride at um mm. at disneyland and it's quite an old ride and it's kind of just like you sit in a boat and you go through and it's like oh yo ho yo ho pirates life for me and they and they just like you just you observe like these, these tableaus but at the start of the ride um there's like these dangling skeletons and you see them in the movie as well that when jack's coming into port he sees them and it's like pirates be warned essentially it's like pirates that have been left there to hang and have mm. you know their, their, their flesh is rotted away but in the ride there's a um one skeleton is like propped up steering a uh, turning a steering wheel and yeah. um and so it looks like it's like a zombie but it's like you know they're just like oh, we I, I presume they're just like oh we're an extra skeleton i'll be funny if this one's driving the thing um mm. and then the narration says dead men tell no tales and they were kind of like what if they were zombies and it's like right. and that's what that's what you know that's what sort of brings it all together it's 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 such a like fun thing and like the curse and then so like the final battle between barbosa and sparrow is like they're constantly shifting in and out of the moonlight and so you know one of them gets stabbed and then it's like oh turns out i'd taken a medallion so i'm cursed now yeah it's fantastic it's excellent it's excellent it's such a cool fight scene i love when barbosa who is probably one of the best characters in the movie as well and i'm sure 100 percent, yeah he, he he's when so jack's taken one of the medallions to curse himself so he can be immortal while he fights the the the, the bad guys and there's a part in the middle of this sword fight where captain barbosa says so what are we doing here jack we're just going to to be two immortal souls fighting till the trumpet sound on judgment day and for some reason i always really loved that line yeah like just like the consideration of that is like what are we doing yeah we Neither can't of hurt us each can other die. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool um 
Yeah, and so that that the the um I don't know if we wanted to talk more about the characters, but one of the kind of realizations I had watching this film and why it's so good and maybe why the sequels aren't so good is that you remember when we talked about um what makes a good video game movie, considering there are none. Yeah. Right. And we were talking about how the Clue movie based on the game Clue or Cluedo, depending where you play it, um, uh, it it constructs it so that the rules of the game are part of the story. And and yeah, same with Angry Birds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In the Clue movie, they have to work out who who killed the character in what room and with what. Like that's the crux of the story. Yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean is an adaptation of a Disney ride. There is a rhythm to every action scene in this film. Yeah. There's there's the the um when Will and, and Jack first meet, they're fighting in the blacksmith shop and they're like walking on a seesawed um kind of plank of wood and then something boosts one of them up into the rafters and everything is moving things are flying yeah. and and you're being taken when when um elizabeth discovers the cursed pirates she then gets like pulled into the fray of them working the ship and she like falls onto this bed sheet that they then throw her up into the air with and yeah. it's like this is a roller coaster it's dynamic this is yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's and that's what's so so special about it. I think is that it understands it's adapting a um, very physical experience. Usually, yeah, which is funny because the 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 ride is famously like non physical and just like (laughs) (laughs) well, a theme park. It's a it's a movie version of a theme park, but um. Yeah, and it's still good, Martin Scorsese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they after the success of the film, they added Barbosa and Sparrow into the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Ah, right. Um, so now it's like, the it ends up being a movie tie-in. Um, mm-hmm. But you mentioned Barbosa, fucking played by Jeffrey Rush. Oh my God, what a, mm. it, this the secret sauce in the movie kind yeah, of yeah, thing absolutely um which and not to get too ahead of ourselves but like the 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 original trilogy of films have have great villains and then yeah. not so much in four and five but we'll get to that uh so before we move on i've got a couple of pieces of randomly placed useless trivia mm-hmm. so parts of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl is a very long title um how do you reckon this is the longest title we've ever had or or can you think of any that are longer oh i can't think of any that are longer right off the bat yeah. tell me and what where do you reckon it would rank in, in longest titles top five that isn't the top five uh it's third oh and, and do, you don't want to take a guess no i do not just tell me um okay so the this is third second place is teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 the secret of the ooze Wow. Uh, and the longest title we've ever covered is Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters <laughs> All Out of Tag. <laughs> very, very uh, nice. Or GMK, as it's commonly referred to. Um, nice. It's also worth mentioning as well that, um, not specific to our podcast, but this is, Pirates of the Caribbean is the 14th highest grossing franchise of all time. Cool. Are we are we moving from Curse of the Black Pearl now? Because there's a few things I want to talk about. Oh, we do. please do. Um, I want to talk about my favorite joke in the in the oh, franchise. Yes. <laughs> it's from from this film. So it's right at the start of the film. Jack's just escaped, um, and he he finds he finds refuge in the in the black blacksmith shop. And he looks over and he sees the blacksmith there, and he's this old grizzled drunk man who's just like fallen asleep. And he walks over to him and like prods him, tries to see if he's awake, and he doesn't seem to be stirring. And so he turns around, but then he quickly turns back and goes whoa <laughs> to try and wake him up. And- <laughs> God, <laughs> the choice to say whoa instead of boo or hey, yeah. 
it's so Johnny Depp and it's so Jack Sparrow and it just it gets a crack out of me every time. I just lose it just because it's <laughs> it's because like woe means something. You know what I mean? It's like a woe is something you say when something's coming towards you, not when you're going towards someone yeah. else. It's it's just it's oh my god, I love that joke so much. And I, um, I think um that, that that brings up an interesting point and in that like why Jack Sparrow works so well in the first film mm. to a lesser extent the second to a much lesser extent the third um <laughs> is that like he's johnny depp and gore verbinski are like making interesting choices with the character like it's like almost every single choice that that jack sparrow makes or, or johnny depp makes as an actor for bringing jack sparrow to life um is that um it, it's not the obvious choice like uh you know gore verbinski goes oh uh, give him a fright uh and yeah. he's and he thinks i'll say whoa like you know because yeah, um, <laughs> like yeah, there's there's a bit later on in the film where someone uh, and and later on in the franchise when someone calls him a filthy pirate and he just screams after them like um no need for name calling yeah no need for name calling and it's like you know if that was in the first one he would have been like really offended by it or something like that or he yeah, would have yeah. like you know obs- like looked at himself a little bit and then been like oh yeah <laughs> yeah you know like yeah, like exactly. it, it's it, it, yeah it's, it's it's almost doing a caricature of it and it's like you could just hire any Johnny Depp, Jack Sparrow impersonator. Um, yeah, it's weird seeing the actor who originated a role doing an impression of the character. Yeah, further on down the line, because there are things like, um, like, like you know, he 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 has his arms up a lot, and and it kind of like he's, it's um, it, it kind of makes sense as like a character choice because if you imagine he spends his whole life at sea, being on flat land would probably feel quite weird for him. Like, you know, when you mm. when you get off a treadmill and it's kind of like, oh, yeah. yeah. I do that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like, like, so it makes sense that he would kind of be like, you know, it's a mix of being drunk as well. Um, but then you see in like the fourth and fifth movie, it's just like, oh, Johnny, Johnny, just put your arms up for the shot. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'll just, just hold them up. And it doesn't feel motivated. It's like the the action is mo- the action's motivating the character, not the other way around. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. Uh, what do you think of uh, Will and Elizabeth as characters? And- Will and Elizabeth, like they they really really work in this film. Mm. Um, and it's like they are kind of just bland. Like there's there's nothing that much to them. Um, but because obviously the focus is on now like they're just your typical kind of romantic leads couple of attractive people um not that i consider Kira Knightley attractive in the film because she was 17 when she filmed it um, <laughs> um 17 year olds are ugly <laughs> every one of them um but yeah the um uh, yeah it's kind of like it's a very traditional and it makes sense for the film to just have these kind of characters that um they're just they're in love and then jack sparrow is the call to adventure they, they develop them quite well in the in the second and third film i think and, and um elizabeth even though she like even in the first film she had like quite a all, lot of her own agency by the mm. third film she's like a full she's a pirate king um yeah, yeah. yeah. what do you think um, of i think there's an argument that elizabeth is the protagonist of the first film mm-hmm um, I think you you maybe look at it and be like, well, she doesn't, um, you know, she's often saved and rarely saves the day. But a lot of, like, it starts with her. We actually yeah. start with Elizabeth when she's a little girl. And it's sort of, a lot of it is her story of overcoming the um, oppressions of the era towards yeah. a, a woman who's expected to marry a man who's like twice her age. And, yeah. and um, you know, the, the, the star-crossed love of 
her and 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 will and yeah i think i because th- there's a lot of discourse online about the like early early feminist readings of um elizabeth swan as a character because mm. she does have have a backbone you know and mm. she's she um makes it makes decisions which gets her in trouble and gets her out of trouble like she yeah. tells the pirates that she's um she's she's a turner she she says parlay to uh pintle and Rigetti, um who are the Spaghetti. the kind of abbott and costello of the <laughs> pirates of yeah, the, the rosencrantz and guildenstern yeah, the um, there's a a bald, the and Pumba, <laughs> an old bald chubby one, and a tall skinny one with uh, with one eye. I'm sure you know the characters if you've seen the film. Um, and that's that, that, that's where Hello Poppet comes from, which was a big deal when this movie came out. That was that was weirdly one of the more quoted lines, even <laughs> though this movie deal. is <laughs> infinitely quotable, um, in, in several other areas. And on that, actually, the dialogue in this film, my God marry me marry me the dialogue <laughs> so so as we, as i alluded to at the start and we've talked about this on our best lines episode like a year and a half ago um that uh, i love the line you'd best start believing in ghost stories miss turner you're in one yeah which what also a, um fun little behind the scenes trivia behind the scenes mm. of this podcast that's like a that's like an inside joke between me and you yeah. is that just for the last like three or four years <laughs> once every couple of months We'll just message each other a misquote of that line. <laughs> yeah, I use it at work. I'll be like, "You best start believing you're teaching. You're in, you're in a class teaching students. You're, you, well, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That was a bad. Yeah, I well, know, I, I, I like mind. I like screwing up the the second half of it. There, where right. it's like, "You best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner, because this is one." <laughs> and it's, it's it's like things that's like it has the exact same meaning. Well, pr- and pretty much same amount of words, but it's not as good. <laughs> well, I, th- I think you're in one is cooler because it's like you. Yeah, yeah You yeah. are the figurehead of the story. You're part of one. Yeah, you're <laughs> part of one. <laughs> um, I love that line. I love um, Barbosa's whole monologue before that is great. It's yeah. like, uh, t- for too long, I've not felt the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he's like, we are cursed men, Miss Turner. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. Yeah. Yeah, Means very not. good. Um, when uh, Jack Sparrow first meets Commodore Norrington, who is the, the is is the the older man that wants to marry Elizabeth because he's a fine man and she has become a fine woman. Um, <laughs> he says to and like you've everyone listening has heard these lines, but the line and we talked about this in the best quote episode as well. The line "You are without a doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of," and Jack replies, "But you have heard of me," is dialogue porn man like you you get these little bite-sized lines of dialogue which tell you 100% of the character and that's 100% of Jack Sparrow and Mm. it's not about if I'm a good man or a bad man or a successful man I you've heard of me because I'm a fucking pirate bitch and it's also like not only that but it's also like his arrogance showing through that it's like yeah um it's, and it's like he 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 ends up winning the argument you know essentially yeah. like it's a yeah. little change and that's something that the um the films kind of lose especially in four and five is that like jack is ingenious in the first film he he mm. he seems he's a little bunny. He's, he seems like an idiot but like he he plays everyone against each other and yeah. comes out on top and yeah. it, it's like yeah the 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 the, the first film 
uh sort of like shows that or like kind of implies that this is all planned out and this is all going according to plan whereas um even from like two onwards it more plays like everything just happens to work out for him he's he in the fourth one it it almost feels like he's being or maybe it's the fifth one it feels like he's drunk the whole time it feels like that's the character yeah that the, the director's told him he's drunk the whole movie um Anyway, just quickly, a few other lines I want to I want to sing out to is um is when uh, Jack pulls out the gun with which he's sh- saving the one shot he was given to kill himself. He's saving it to kill Barbosa, um, and he points it at Will when they first meet to get him out of the way, and he says, "This shot was not meant for you, boy," um, which is really cool. Um, and during that battle, that immortal battle at the end between Jack and Barbosa, Barbosa says, "You're you're way off the map, mate. Here there be monsters," and it feels like. This isn't really remembered at all from this movie, but that's a fucking cool line. Uh, it almost feels like the most articulated to be a cool line that um never never um you know comes back. Yeah. Um everything Barbosa says is incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last thing I want to talk about, and we can move on after this, is that the tragedy of Barbosa is so compelling to me. And we t- I talked Harry's a sympathetic character, but like he basically there's earlier on in the film he's like the first thing i'm gonna do when i break the curse eat a whole bushel of apples and he like talks about like it's very it's very endearing to have a villain that just wants to be alive again you know he's he's not even he doesn't even he's not even willing to kill these people like he just wants he just needs their blood and um and then during the the final battle, Jack's got the medallion. He quickly slices his hand, throws the medallion to Will, who slices his own hand and drops the two medallions back in there. And as he's doing this, Jack shoots Barbosa in the chest. And Barbosa's like, "What? You carried that pistol for ten years to just waste your shot?" And and then like he didn't waste it, and he drops the coins back in there. And he looks down at his chest, and this blood's coming out from from his heart. And he goes, "I feel cold," and dies. And it's like. Oh my! It's beautiful. It's, it's like, such a fucking good like acting moment from him. <laughs> yeah, because it because is. it's not only like it's it's so many things at once. It's like shock, abject terror, yeah. relief, and yeah. then like accept it. Like he goes through like the seven stages of grief. Like <laughs> five stages. Um, yeah. um, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's like <laughs> a um, it there's there's it's a melancholy because he's yeah. like, my God, I can feel. And then it's also like, but I didn't get to experience any of the things that I wanted to experience. And that is why um, I think (laughs) the decision to bring Barbosa back in the sequels is a middle finger to to the ending of his character in the first film. It is a perfect way to wrap up the character. And... The thing with with Barbosa is like they're like oh but it's Jeffrey Rush he did such a good performance we've got to bring him back and then like what does he do in the sequels that he returns for by five he's fucking translucent and not just like yeah. completely phoning in a performance and he's barely in too he's he's got one line at the end yeah, so you, you're, you're left with with three to say this is the best this is the best we've got and he's not particularly great in that and. <sighs> This is the crux of this podcast. This is the heart of what I'm going to be trying to argue yeah, today. Yeah. Is these movies needed to be standalone 
in a macro sense. Yes, they meet characters that turn up in later movies, but they needed to be their own things. And the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise is a franchise that constantly grapples with moving forward and bringing in new elements. It doesn't want to let go of what made the last ones work. And because of that, it becomes a a pastiche of its former self with each film. Um, Which is a great place to move on to the next next, um, film. We're going to do something a little bit different here. Um, I want to talk about two and three together. Like, let's do a plot of the whole thing because there's going to be things that I can't remember which film they're in (laughs) Um, because, you know, it's two halves of one film. Um, But just talking about what you, following off of what you were saying before about the the standalone nature of it, um, after the first one was a big success, they were like, well, we can't really do like a a Bond kind of thing because we've got this ensemble cast and it's going to be hard to get everyone together to every couple of years. Like, you know, if it was just Jack Sparrow, it's like, you wait until Johnny Depp's free, make another movie. Um, But so they were like, okay, well, let's turn the curse of the black pearl into the first part of a trilogy and we'll make two back to back. We'll get everyone together. We'll do two films and we'll have this nice neat trilogy. How well they succeeded there. That's, that's up to you, up to you to decide, but I Me? feel they didn't. it's a massive that's failure. My- um, <laughs> yeah. The, the first one is like a, is a perfect lightning in a bottle. And then the second one is half of a film. And then the third one is the other half of that film. Um, what yeah? What, what what's the plot of two and three? So um, on a, again on a macro level, Davy Jones played by Bill Nighy, who's a a squid man and and in pirate lore, he's famously the the captain of the Flying Dutchman. Who if you I think if you die at sea, you go to Davy Jones's locker. I think that's the the mythology. Well, hey, um, Davy Jones, um, the the Flying Dutchman, it like takes souls to um. Fairy souls to the afterlife. Fairy souls to the afterlife. And Davy Jones's locker is purgatory. It's between the two. Um, And so, but Davy Jones wasn't doing that. So he was cursed and that's why his whole crew was cursed. Whereas like when we see Will in Pirates of the Caribbean 5 who's now the captain of the Flying Dutchman, just (laughs) glossing over the entire thing. Um, It's implied that he has been doing that, so that's why he's not as, like, deformed. Right, yeah. Yep, so, um, essentially, oh, God, the the third film... I couldn't tell you what that one's about. Yeah. It's so convoluted. But the over overarching plot is that there's Davy Jones fell in love with a woman who broke his heart, and so he put his heart in a chest and buried it somewhere. And if you stab the chest, you take over the the role. The, as the Dutchman's got to have a captain. Yes. Um, and in the second, then the third one, you find out that the woman he fell in love with was Calypso, um, and as you as you alluded to, uh, Will actually ends up stabbing the heart. This is such a bad way to recount yeah. what both these films are about. Jack, at the end of the second one, um, Elizabeth seduces Jack into staying aboard the Black Pearl as it's decimated by the Kraken under the control of the Flying Dutchman. Um, and so he dies. I And like, this was, when I was young... <laughs> 
when I first saw these movies, very early high school, this was my first foray, not only into um, realizing I didn't like a sequel as much as the original. That had never really happened. Because the, <laughs> the most invested I'd been in a series beforehand was Shrek, and Shrek 2 was great. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Um, and so I remember after seeing the second one and feeling, and like everyone like pirates mania was insatiable so everyone's like oh so good loved it and and i was like oh oh yeah and i remember thinking like it's annoying how the first one's standalone and two and three are gonna be so connected i was like that's strange but no one else is validating what i'm saying so i'm just gonna be quiet about it and then i remember listening to a family friend talk about the second film and she was like well anyway we all decided that the first one was better and i was like yeah (laughs) <laughs> that is the problem. Yeah. And then when I went to see the third one, a very similar thing happened where everyone was like, oh, wow, that was so cool. And I was like, that was bad. Why yeah. do people like this? Like, the, that was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, it was such a, they're so convoluted and they, there are, there's gold in them, their hills. There yeah. are some excellent, excellent scenes in two and three. But overall, I think, I think the third one is a poor film. I think it is convoluted. It's confusing. I do not understand the plot of, of the the like the individual plot beats of the third one. There's yeah. some cool set pieces and stuff. And, but the second one, I think, gets a free pass for being um, not as convoluted. It's like, to me, the third one is like Arrested Development Season 5 where it's like it's having to deal with all the confusing story threads set up in, in season four, whereas I would rather it just ignore them and be its own thing. And yeah. therefore, I guess I find Dead Man's Chest to be like season four. Yeah. So to me, um, so I, I saw this film in the cinema, and I, I cannot remember where I saw it, but I know I like wasn't in my hometown, <laughs> and I remember seeing it in like a weird small cinema. Um But yeah, I went to go, uh, went to go see this, and I was like, and I remember kind of thinking like, oh, yeah, cool i guess i'm excited for the next one um and so my kind of issue with the second one because people go i go there's only one good part it's the caribbean movie and they go oh the second one is good someone at work the other day said the second one was the best one um and it's like okay so there's two ways to look at the second one either you look at it on its own in a vacuum um so say Someone was like to you, oh, there's this real cool movie. I'll show it to you. And it's Pirates of the Caribbean, Demon's Chest. And you go, oh, is there any more? And you say, no, no, this is this is it. You'd be like, oh, that's so incomplete. What a, what a terrible movie. Or you go, now look at the second half of the story. And it's like fucking terrible at world's end. <laughs> and so it's like, you, you know, when you go, oh, well, you remove it from three. It's like, well, then it doesn't work. So it's not a good yeah. film. And then it's like, yeah, but all the things that lead into three don't work either because three ruins it so it's like yeah to, to me it doesn't work either way but i think they will try and defend it in those kind of ways um and so for me as well i saw parts of caribbean 3 because i remember i was still excited for the third one when it came out i thought you know it was gonna fix everything and i think I, just generally i haven't remembered dead man's chest that well um but yeah, I saw these movies once and then never returned. Yeah, <laughs> I but uh, I went to At World's End opening night with my parents, um, but had already organised to go the next day with my friends, um, and so I saw it on opening night and I was like, "Fuck, this is so bad." 
this is the worst movie I've ever seen. And then I still had to go see it the next day. So there was fucking almost three hour movie again, which I hated. And and so like for, for a long time, uh, probably up until we started this podcast, my three worst, my top three worst films I'd ever seen were um, Pirates of the Caribbean 3, Transformers 2 and Ang Lee's Hulk. Um, now mm. they don't even fucking register anywhere near the bottom. Um <laughs> But yeah, yeah that's air, kind of air buddies. Air buddies would like a word. <laughs> yeah, legally blondes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and well, speaking of legally blondes, one of the biggest lessons we learned from why legally blondes is a bad movie. This is the third straight to DVD legally blonde film for those who aren't keeping up. And we've <laughs> talked about this a few times. Is that great movies are often quite simple. It's the bad movies that are complex. Yeah. <laughs> it's the bad movies that are convoluted and complicated. The ending of Legally Blondes is this indecipherable court case that you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I don't understand what the what is going on. That's how I feel about At World's End. Yeah, and, and like, I couldn't even recount to you what the court case in Legally Blondes is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like at least in the first one, it ends in a court case as well, but it's like there's a murder. You you know, like yeah. everyone kind of yeah. knows a bit about that, but it's like it's some yeah. school bullshit in the third one. Yeah. Um but the the second of this Dead Man's Chest was very popular. It was um, mm-hmm. the biggest opening weekend of all time in the US. Um, it was the fastest film to reach $1 billion at the, at the global box office uh, in 63 days. Uh, and at the time, it was the third highest grossing film of all time behind Titanic and Lord of the Rings, um, wow. The Return of the King. Um, it's, current, it's now in 35th place. <laughs> um, so there's been a lot <laughs> that's um, sort of overtaken it. But- oh, and... What does it have on Rotten Tomatoes? Yes, what would you guess? I'd guess like 59. If 53. It's wow. Yeah. Um, and that's not because I think it's a good movie. It's because I expect other people to think it's a good movie. Yeah. One thing that uh, re-watching these movies, I, I kind of noticed. Um, that, so we've talked a lot about um, doing a listicle at some point or suggesting this to watch Mojo. Um, Phoebe, if you're listening, don't steal my idea. Um, <laughs> our friend Phoebe, who is a host of Watch Mojo, um, of like iconic things from a franchise which don't appear in the first film. Um, and so it's things like Eye of the Tiger from Rocky, like synonymous with the franchise, but it's introduced in the third one. Uh, even like, like I guess, Puss in Boots kind of counts um, that he's introduced Merry Christmas, to. You Filthy Animal, it's from Home Alone 2. Yeah, um, Jason's Alone. Hockey Mask is from the, it's introduced in the third one. Um, but one thing that's interesting in this film, so uh, one like very important part of the character of Jack Sparrow is that he has this compass that points to whatever you want most um that's actually introduced in the second film he has the compass in the first film but it just points to isla de muerta um which is where the treasure chest is um which in the second film it retroactively says that's just like what he wanted most at the time but in the first film it implies it just points there right which so it's an interesting thing that like and like that, that's probably that's one of the cleverest bit of retconning that (laughs) was done It, it like makes this compass like a very important part of the franchise, almost too important by the time we get to to five. Well, it's almost too important because at no point do they tell you the origin of the compass, and I always thought that was just no. They do tell you the origin of the compass, and that's and that's changed um, because oh, Tia Dama, who's um, who revealed to be Calypso, um, says that she gave it to Jack Sparrow. Oh, okay. Um, and then um, she says like, "Oh, I gave you that compass." Which is how someone would say that. <laughs> like, mm. That's not the exact. I was like, I started to say that. I was like, I don't remember the exact line. And I was like, this doesn't help at all. Just saying. <laughs> um, yeah. So 
Dead Man's Chest, um, it starts and the world, the world, the characters' worlds as we know it are in disarray. Both Elizabeth and Will are sentenced to be hanged for freeing Jack Sparrow. Um, and Jack Sparrow himself winds up uh, being caught by a tribe of of savages who cannibals. are trying to uh, cannibals to, who are trying to eat him. Um and a lot of the first part of the movie is Will looking for Jack because Beckett, who's the new villain back at Port Royal, I think he's a Commodore. He's a Commodore. Yeah. Commodore Beckett. Commodore sixty four. Um, wants the <laughs> wants the the compass. So the compass kind of becomes real important, and as you sort of yeah. alluded to. Um, and you said you talked about how the first one is lightning in a bottle, and I don't disagree, but. And I don't quite know if I can explain this. Despite how good and perfect that first film is, I feel like creating another real good addition to the series isn't particularly hard. Yeah. So th- th- this is how I feel about Dead Man's Chest and At World's End. Is that like they, and, and I, I think I read this, is that what happened was they were like, we've got too many ideas for one film. And it's like, okay, sure, maybe you did. But what you do then is you cut out the bad ones and you make a good film. Instead, they added worse ideas and mm. beefed it up to two kind of bloated films. Like, if yeah. like just give me the Davy Jones story. And if I can, yeah. <laughs> if we can move on to how fucking good is Davy Jones? Oh my god! Well, yes, yeah, so, one, so one of just, the all-time great film characters. <laughs> absolutely. Just to finish my thought, as yeah. I was saying, is that you know these, it, it, despite how good the first one is, I don't think it was impossible to create a good sequel that lives up to expectations. But it's like as soon as the second one starts and it's Will Turner looking for Jack, I was like, this is a boring utilization of these <laughs> characters. Um, and but there are, I was going to then say there are some great things. And both of these two films, including Davy Jones. Oh my God. So (laughs) Davy Jones and um, this film won an Oscar for visual effects, 100% deserved. Like for Mm. 2006, he still looks fucking incredible. Like genuinely, um, I would say him and Thanos are like the two best fully CG characters put to film. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if fully CG is the right term because obviously they had like people on set um and like and i guess caesar and um and planet of the apps but it's funny as well that you watch um uh david jones and he looks incredible but his crew kind of looks shitty um because so <laughs> his crew are all like um you know they're, they're like half merged with like sea monsters um and tim burton actually helped out with the designs um of the dutchman crew no shit. um but uh, apart from uh, Stellan Skarsgård, who plays Bootstrap Bill Turner, Will's dad, um, his uh, outfit is entirely practical. Um, right. It was going to be enhanced with CG, but they ended up not doing it. Um, but yeah, so it's Bill Nye on set. And for having a giant face <laughs> covered in tentacles, Bill Nye still comes through so much. Um, mm. And it's amazing. He, he was asked to do a Dutch accent. Um, and he was like, I can't do Dutch, but I can do Scottish. Would that work? Um, and so he ended up being like, do you fear death? <laughs> oh. Do you fear Jack Sparrow? It's funny because there's, there's the meme of um, of Ed from Ed, Ed and Eddie um, <laughs> with an octopus on his head. It says, do you fear death, Jack Sparrow? Uh, but he actually never says it to Jack Sparrow. He says oh. it to like three other characters. Um, it's like it's like his catchphrase, but he never says it to Jack. Um, he says it to Will Turner, though. Hmm. Um, but oh my god! Like, and, and again, what a fucking like great sympathetic yep. 
like he's cursed to be captain of the dutchman he's he's more corrupt by and like in his time and it's a good like ramping up of the threat of barbosa from the first one because um yeah it's like you've still got a sympathetic villain but he's been in his situation for a lot longer and is you know is, is more corrupt because of that um but yeah he, he just he was just in love he just is heartbroken oh it's tragic it's, yeah. it's shakespearean it's yeah. great um and yeah you're right that it is two for two in, in the movies in terms of um great villains and you look at everything that was added to make these two movies and i i the story of tommy of how it came to be that's insane to me because mm. what this feels more like is someone wrote a pretty tight script for part two and then someone else was like make this two movies yeah. and they're like okay we'll add um the East Indian, East Indian trading, trading company in there as like a third or fourth faction that's chasing after everyone. Um, but surely it's so you, you want a movie it's called dead man's chest. It's about, here's the elements you should have in it. You should have um, Davy Jones. The Kraken can be his, his Bane, you know, like Bane from yeah. Batman. Yeah. Um, and maybe the Calypso stuff, if it works. I personally don't think it works Neither. as it is in the film right now. I don't like that. What's the character's name? Uh, Tia Dama. I don't like that she was Calypso the whole time. Because what's especially weird about these movies being shot back to back is that in part three, there are retcons or at least things that like you can tell they're, they're like, oh, we're probably going to have to set this incredibly important thread up here in the third chapter when it's like you were you made them at the same time set up the set up the nine pieces of eight and dead man's chest set up that there are pirate lords and that jack's one of them and all this sort of thing because all that stuff is not introduced i don't think correct me if i'm wrong it's certainly not developed but it's not set up until the start of the third film and it's like this feels very cheap to try and do this yeah. all here now. Um, Maybe they're trying to make the, the transition from one to two less jarring. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But then like, let's make two to three real jarring again. <laughs> so I think you just do the Davy Jones story in the second one. Because here's the thing, right, is that um, you said that they didn't, they couldn't do it like how they did Bond. And it's like okay, I kind of think you should have. I kind of think the villains of each part of the Caribbean movies should be the, like, did you see who they cast in the new in the yeah. new parts of the Caribbean movie as the villain, yeah. as the Bond villain, the Bond villain format. But yeah. it's it's almost, if, okay, you don't want to use the Bond analogy, fine. It's an early 2000s superhero movie. Yeah. It's the Spider-Man trilogy, the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Hmm. Think of it like that, because they share a cast and they have a different villain at the centre of the story each time yeah that's how you do it because here's here's my heart's cry is that there is so much fucking pirate law right yeah. there is there's greek mythology all of that is pirate law there's dutch mythology all of that is pirate law there's just shit you can make up that's pirate law pirate yeah, law yeah, is yeah. so <laughs> malleable and four out of the five films are about undead crew pi- pirates on a ship yeah. four of them are why are they all about that why are they all undead zombie pirates yeah. in fact there are technically zombie pirates in the fourth film which i was gonna say is the one that doesn't include that as mermaids which we'll get to the fourth one um but they they are they are understated in comparison to the zombie pirates in one two three and five which take up the whole story and so I couldn't disagree with you more, 
parts of the Caribbean creative team. Yes, make them Bond villains. Make them these one <laughs> shot. These like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like the the this these compact energy shots of like powerhouse performances. Yeah. Well, even in if the you, individual you like um, made it so that uh, you have one has got fantastic villain in Barbosa, two has got fucking amazing villain and davy jones um and mm. even barbosa comes back at the end and then the third one put all of the east india trading company and stuff in there it'll be a lot more complicated as a film like compared to the first yeah, time yeah. you've you've kind of earned that now and then make um commodore beckett the villain like yeah like make him a more interesting character but yeah, make yeah exactly but like, but like so we've seen him <laughs> Um, you know, like rise through the background of the films right, and actually yeah, sure. now become a serious threat by the time we get to the third film. Great idea. Yeah. Like this, that is, my God, that is what they should have done with this series. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the lead on. <laughs> so, sorry, we just did our, our obligatory stop recording and save everything after an hour. So I had to try and recapture the energy. <laughs> and may- maybe I failed, but so did Pirates of the Caribbean as a franchise. Yeah, how, so how appropriate. Um, a couple of interesting um, behind the scenes things uh, with Please. this. Um, this was the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, Dead Man's Chest was the first film to use the CG. Well, I just hit my microphone. First film to use the CG uh, Walt Disney logo, the one that like you know like oh, yeah. travels over the Magic Kingdom um, mm. rather than just the white on blue um, yeah. thing. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, and also uh, this, uh, the so the 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 team animating the Kraken or the Kraken, as it's actually technically supposed to be pronounced. And there's a bit in the in one of the films because. The guy that plays Gibbs was the first person to say it um, while filming, uh, and he pronounced it Kraken, and it's supposed to be pronounced Kraken. Um, so they wrote this little scene where they debate the pronunciation of it. Yeah, um, between Pintle and Rigetti. R- Rigetti. I know it sounds like spaghetti. Yeah. Um, um, uh, nice. But yeah, so the, the, the animation team were told to watch uh, King Kong versus Godzilla for how to um, animate it because it features a real octopus like crawling over miniatures. Of course, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would like to briefly t- turn to things I, other things I like about two and three before yeah. sharply left turning back into things I hate about two. <laughs> Yay. Um, so I talked in the, in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. One of the best things about it is when it emulates the experience of being at a theme park, being on a roller coaster. And I'm so I'm I'm rewatching Dead Man's Chest, watching it for the second time in my life. Apparently, <laughs> I must have seen it once or twice before. And I'm like, this is bad. This is so boring. And I'm like, they've lost that element of it. They've lost that piece of it that that makes it so exciting and then a scene happens where they're on the island that the chest is on and will jack and uh beck no um norrington get into a sword fight Mm. um together and 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 elizabeth's like stop fighting and she pretends to faint and she doesn't get anyone's attention and i was like this is a good scene and like um pintle and rigetti are watching it and they're like and they there's that great part where he's like you know no one's guarding the chest you know anyone could take it and, and rigetti's like would be awfully tempting and he does that he does uh, that guy's voice Mackenzie crook's voice is like 
it's so it's like organically pirate it's so good um, <laughs> um and i was like this is a cool scene and then that scene transitions to them it's it's probably one of the most famous scenes in the film them fighting atop a dislodged water wheel that's yeah. moving through the forest and all of a sudden i'm like yes this it, is what it's missing it's the natural it's the it's the sequel to the sword fight in the first one with um, yeah exactly the, and and it it goes on way too long, and 100%. it's not the it's not the only scene in this in that film which feels like a theme park ride. Earlier, there is um there's a scene where um they're trapped in these wooden balls by the the cannibals, and they're oh, having yeah. to swing it. And again, it's like these moments are there, but the the first film almost feels like a non stop thrill ride yeah, whereas yeah. the second one it doesn't balance those those moments of quiet as well it's a stop start thrill ride yeah um so that's cool uh in the third film there's a few things i like i'm trying desperately trying to think of them now i like the i like in in concept i like that will and elizabeth get married in the middle of a sword fight and, and it's officiated by Barbosa. yeah that's a fun scene i will say um as someone who Long claimed at World's End was one of the worst movies he'd ever seen. Um, the scene between Calypso and Davy Jones is fucking beautiful. That that mm, like yeah. watching that, I was like, this should be in a much better scene, in a, in a much yeah. better movie. Um, yeah, because she, he's like, because he, he's like, oh, I'm gonna kill her. Like, yeah, fucking fuck that. But she broke my heart, and then he sees her, and he and he and he, you know, falls in love all he over melts, again. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then she she grabs him. And he and he turns back into Bill Nye, like presumably what he looked like before the curse. Mm. Um, and then he like reaches through the bars, and then she turns him back, and now he can't get his claw back out, and so he's stuck like that. But then he can just walk through the bars anyway, because um, she's like in a prison cell, yeah. which An is element. When was that introduced yeah. to the mythology? Um, but it's the second franchise we've covered this year in which a. A revolutionary CGI character walks through bars. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, also, I messaged you about this, and you were like, "Damn, you thought of it." That well, you had also thought of yeah, it, but yeah, like, yeah. you didn't think I'd work it out. This is our fourth franchise in which Stalin Skarsgård plays a character who has seemingly good intentions, but is also acting against the best interests of the protagonists. Yeah, after- um, I don't. I'm, I don't want to say all of them because they're kind of spoilers for at least two of the franchises. Yeah. But the last time we talked about it was Avengers. This happens to him. He, he He's a good guy who gets yeah. brainwashed to be evil. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and in this one, he um, doesn't understand Will's plan yeah. and accidentally puts a spanner in the works. And is also just on the villain's team. Yeah, and, yeah. and actually, he's, so, he's lost his mind so much in the third one that he... Um, that oh, he's, so he's evil for a bit as well. Um, so that's cool. The the final fight scene in the third one is this like designed from the ground up to be this epic of you know battle yeah, it's, of it's epic a, it's proportions. It's an uncharted three um, level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's and like there's some again there's some cool stuff in that with Jack like swinging on ropes between two ships over a a giant whirlpool made by Calypso um, in the ocean. And now let's talk about things I fucking hate about the third yeah. one. Speaking First of, of all, Calypso. Speaking of Calypso, so when you find out, she, well, it's not when you find out that that she is Calypso, but when she's like unleashed from she's, her, she's freed from her human form. Okay, the, yeah, I was like, what even is her story? It's so convoluted. Yeah. Um, she turns into a giant version of herself standing aboard the ship. Um, and who's the what's the name of the actress? It's Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris. So no, giant Naomi Harris standing aboard the ship, and to me, 
I when I first saw this movie, and I'm I messaged you about this, and you agreed. It looks stupid. Yeah. Like it's it's like um Prince uh, Princess Leia Mary Poppins and the Last yeah, Jedi. Hundred like, percent. I I understand the. I don't have a problem with the the purpose of showing this, but yeah. what you're actually showing me is like the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's um it's. Yeah, for for 13 years, I haven't remembered anything about the second and third films apart from that. And I was like, (laughs) and that was enough to be like, this is the worst film I've ever seen. Yeah, awful. It looks so stupid. Um, And then she turns into crabs. Then she turns into crabs. Thank God it didn't take too long to get us there. Um, uh, Overall, in the film, um, there's this, in the third film, there's this thread of um, Jack Sparrow hallucinating smaller versions of himself awful. and other other Fucking versions of awful. himself that, that talk to him. And it's it's like, this is the definition of too much of a good thing. This, yeah. is a, this is a textbook example of someone not understanding what makes a character compelling and then going in the wrong direction with it. Yeah. And there's, there's a part where he's talking to two versions of himself while he's locked in a cell and then like a barnacled sea creature version comes out of the wall and starts like itching his brain and stuff and then jack leaves the cell but we stay on his hallucina- hallucinations and what and the one who's stuck in the wall is like nobody move i've lost my brain and it's like who is seeing this yeah these these hallucinations are not these are inside jack's head and jack has run out of the room this is essentially a family guy joke that yeah. we're watching right now, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't like that scene. I don't like the little tiny Jacks like hiding in his dreadlocks and things like that. Yeah, at all. and even when he's in Davy Jones's locker and there's like thirty of them like crowing mm. a ship. I, like, yeah, I always hated that. Yeah, although I do kind of like Davy Jones's locker as a place to visit. But they almost they don't like do anything interesting <laughs> with it. For a film called At World's End, you spend four minutes at World's End, and then the rest of the movie is not about that at all. Um, I don't like. I would like to talk about characters that didn't need to return. Oh. Um, the most obvious one being Barbosa, who again I think should have been that single energy shot from from the first film, and you remember him as being the one from the first film. Um, uh, Norrington, the didn't need to return. Commodore Norrington did not need to return. He, so he's in the film. second one, right? And he, yeah. and he gets really like run down. Yeah. Um and kind of be- ends up becoming a pirate for a little bit. I kind of liked that. I thought that was an interesting place. Like if it, if it was um like you know, oh, we're making a Pirates of the Caribbean sequel, all the main cast is back, um, including Norrington, you'd be like, Oh, what are they gonna do with him? Um it's like, oh yeah, that's a fun place to take his character. Yes, but it's also a catalyst for all the uninteresting stuff. You yeah. know what it should have been? He shouldn't have been in the second one and should have been in the third one. Yeah, or he should have been in the second one and then that became an, an, a more interesting character and then he becomes the villain in the third one. <laughs> exactly. Um, I I go back and forth on Pintel and Rigetti. I think they are kind of the... I can't tell if they are the type of character you have in every film or you only have in one. What do you think? Nah, they're, they're, they should be in every film. Um, yeah. They should have been in four and five, if you ask me. Hmm. Um, but uh, one thing I, I really don't like as well is um, Elizabeth's father just dying off screen. Oh, yeah. And that, that, cause they're, they're coming back from the, the at, at world's end essentially. Um, and they're like, Oh, all these boats contain dead people. And Elizabeth's like, they, they can't be dead. That's my dad. And they're like, Oh, I guess your dad's dead then. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> like, Awful stuff. Um, I don't. Okay. There's two more things that I want to. There's probably a hundred more things, but if, if I try to remember them, I'll get lost. There's two I more things I, I want to complain about. Um, and one is um, kind of 
an underlying thing and one is like a specific plot element that I have very complex and potentially unpopular opinions on. Um, so the reason why the character dynamics work in the first one um, is that they eventually all very deeply care for each other, especially that top, those three main characters yeah, of the Jack. Big three. Jack, Elizabeth, and Will, to the point where Will actually like risks his life and reputation to save Jack from the gallows. And yeah. it's like, yeah, this is great because one of to me, one of the most compelling things a character can be is secretly a good person. Yeah. And that is Jack Sparrow, the you know, Jack Sparrow's the epitome of that, is that he's a he's a you know a pilfering rascal. swine swashbuckling bloody um what's another pirate term scallywag he's a scallywag um but deep down he's a good man and he actually makes decisions based on how much he cares for will and elizabeth yeah it's compelling and in two and three especially three none of the characters like each other yeah none of them like each other not even will and elizabeth like each other that much because there's like you know, elements of betrayal because Will saw Elizabeth kiss um, Jack Sparrow at the end of the last film and and it's like, this is supposed to be this enduring love story and they just keep bickering and I don't yeah. like it. Which, another thing I hated, one of the worst additions to the sequels is the sexual tension between Jack Sparrow and Elizabeth. I hate it. I do oh my not God, yeah, that. she's holding the compass I, and it points at Jack. I do not need that in my life. Miss me with that shit. Their relationship is interesting being like, with with that element taken out of it um but like and, well, well that's the thing like that could even work in the first one that it's like well, it does it's in the they have she tricks him in the first one by like pretending to be drunk enough to maybe kiss him and that's yeah. how she ends up burning all the stuff all the rum why is the rum gone but like a, a little bit more like you could understand it in the first film of like oh i've been so useless button down life and here's this kind of like sexy outsider who's mm. whisking me away to adventure um but then they just wait so long to like properly introduce like any kind of yeah curiosity. Mate, it's almost like I'm not interested in Jack's love life to the, to the degree that I want to watch something like this happen. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, none of the characters like each other, and to the point where they are just genuinely betraying one another. Yeah, and it's yeah. not. It's not like um. It's all part of my plan. Like in the first one, Will thinks Jack has betrayed him, but it ends up being a double double cross, and that yeah. Jack is actually trying to free him. They are just genuinely selling each other out in the third film. Yeah. Um, and it it just it ruins it because it's like, what am I here for? What am I actually wanting these these characters to be interacting with each other for? Like mm. they're not, they don't like each other, and it removes this this tenderness from it, this this complexity from it that they are very different people who see the good in each other, and it's just a real bummer. Um, and which I'd like to now bring up my potentially unpopular opinion. Um, I get, and there are there are good things that construct this idea. I get the idea that it is romantic in a star-crossed lover's way to make Will the new Davy Jones and he only gets to see Elizabeth once every 10 years. I get it. It's Shakespearean again. It's the star-crossed lover nature of it. But I think that is way too brutal of a character end to that right. character arc. I don't. I, I. I. think. I think Jack should have been the new Davy Jones. I know they set it up so yeah. that they can't do it because they've set it up, and so you got to subvert expectations. Yeah. But it is. It is more 
to me, uh, Will becoming the next Davy Jones and cursed to to be only see Elizabeth once every ten years is more tragic than it is romantic. It's yeah. more of a bummer than it is a cool kind of wrinkle in the story. Yeah, he doesn't deserve it. He's a he's a the character deserve they deserve to be together, and it's such a bummer to see it drawn out like this and ruined. Like that, that. That's interesting because I, I I genuinely think that um, the way that story ends with um jack about to stab the heart so that he can be immortal because he he quite likes the idea of being this immortal pirate captain yeah um and then davy's like cool do it and he stabs will um and then so now you know jack is and because again it's the characters liking each other you know he gives supposedly yeah he gives up this dream (laughs) of being the pirate captain to save will's life and so he, he lifts up will's hand and stabs the heart for him so that will will now be immortal but you know get to live and and get to see elizabeth once every 10 years i mean she just could could just come on the ship i guess right but um hey, yeah <laughs> she should just do that and that's that's sort of what i'm saying is like i get that's a cool beat that jack has mm. will stab the heart but again it's like there are plenty of like beats that i like and overall storylines i don't like for example yeah. when elizabeth um ties jack to the ship so he gets in by the kraken and she's like i'm not sorry and he looks at her and goes pirate yeah. that's a great moment i think but i hate the sexual tension between them i hate that it's a cliffhanger yeah. i hate that the characters betray each other in such a way like i like that he calls her a pirate because it's like <laughs> yeah man you are yeah. like you are you are falling into it um but yeah, I, 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 so again, I like the beat, but I don't like the overall yeah. story um, that it's making. Yeah, the, the way the, the film ends with, with Will becoming the, the character of the Dutchman, and then so he has, he has kind of his last day on land, um, presumably spends the entire time making love to Elizabeth. Oh, well, not presumably, because they have a kid. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, they... They definitely did it once. I'm saying presumably they spent the entire time doing that. Oh my god! When 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 they say goodbye to each other and he like kisses her leg and it's like he definitely was like <laughs> like 20 minutes oh ago. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that's, that's the car- that's the actors portraying that idea. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, and then there's all these films have post credit scenes as well. Um, mm. uh, funnily enough, but um. Uh, the third film has a post credit scene where uh, Elizabeth and a presumably 10, <laughs> you'd hope 10 year old, uh, or just like, oh, I guess nine year old, um, uh, son come up and they see uh, the Dutchman reappear on the horizon, knowing that she's in for another day of, of fucking. Can I spend some time with, with dad, mum? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but. Um, so yeah, this is interesting. I just found this out. Um, it's mentioned in the movie that uh, real that true love can free the captain of the Flying Dutchman from his duty, um, which sparked a fan theory that Will would be set free when Elizabeth awaits him in the post credit scene, um, and he and he comes on land after his first ten year stint on the Flying Dutchman. Um, and there's a, a scene that was cut out of the final movie, which explicitly states that Davy Jones's curse was prolonged indefinitely because calypso wasn't waiting for him after 10 years right so this could have easily been a much happier ending yeah that he (laughs) just has to spend 10 years aboard the flying dutchman i think maybe if they if we saw them spend more time as a loving couple together i would be more okay with the 10 years thing but you essentially see the birth and then subsequent 
splitting apart of their relationship across well because there's there's maybe like a year of unaccounted for time between one and two okay here's what you do (laughs) so you make the first film leave it as is don't change anything about it's perfect um second film condense all of the davy jones stuff into the second film um it ends with will stab your heart that bittersweet ending um and you know what fuck it bring barbosa back no i don't want barbosa back (laughs) Um, but then, so you have the second film as Jack him, should like, marry them on the ship. It should be Jack that does that, not Barbosa. Yeah, no, I like that it was Barbosa. Um, Barbosa died perfectly. He doesn't need to. Come yeah, back. he did. But I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, then the third film, you have him as Captain of the Flying Dutchman, and then, like, it, it, you know, we we see true love's kiss breaking the the curse in the third film at the, at the end of the third film. You know, like. It, you know the the, the third the, the subplot of the of the third film would be trying to break the curse of the flying dutchman um and then at the end of it something doesn't work but then it's revealed that oh true uh, true love was all he needed you know mm-hmm. it's cheesy but it's a disney movie and you know then we have david jones you know because you reveal that david jones collapse i wasn't waiting for him yeah. yeah yeah um what does at world's end have on run tomatoes yeah what would you guess 32 44 yeah, yeah. But 72 um, audience score. It's because it's the ending. Same as um, Dead Man's Chest. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. After a five-year hiatus, no, four-year hiatus, um, we got Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Uh, this one was was not directed by Gore Vinsky. It was directed by Rob Marshall, most famous for directing Chicago and Nine. Not the mm. the cool, creepy stop motion one, the um, the musical with um, Daniel Day-Lewis. Right. So, what's this one about? Um. So, as implied by the ending of the of At World's End, it's sort of about the search for the Fountain of Youth. This one shakes things up a bit by only really having Jack of the Big Three return. Um. I mean, Gibbs is there, and the crew of the Black Pearl is there. And Barbosa, Actually, yeah. Barbosa, Barbosa's back. Fuck, I forgot about that. Yeah. So um, yeah. Um. Sparrow, Gibbs, and Barbosa are the only three that appear in all five films. All right. Um, it's funny that Gibbs is like there. Yeah, all Gibbs. Of them. <laughs> C-tier character, Gibbs. Josh and me, Gibbs. Yeah, um, and uh, they join up with uh, Captain Blackbeard, played by Ian McShane. Is yep. that correct? Um, and his long-lost daughter, Angelica, played by Penelope Cruz. Cruz. Yep. Yep. Um, and they... Uh, essentially, Jack has been to the Fountain of Youth before, and King George wants the Fountain of Youth, so he sends Barbosa, who's now a privateer, um, not a pirate, to go search for it. Um, Jack, meanwhile, gets caught up on Blackbeard's ship, and they go to... And he's, like, their guide to go find the Fountain of Youth um, so that, that Blackbeard may live forever because there's a prophecy that a one-legged man will kill him, and that one-legged man is Barbosa. Um, this is... Um, somewhat, this is somewhat buried in the film, but it's set like twenty years after the last <laughs> film. Um, even though, which would make Jack Sparrow in his sixties, um, and Barbosa in his well, presumably we don't know how old he is in the first one, but he's at no, least no, we do. He was he's oh, really? born in. I looked I looked this up on the wiki. Yeah. He Jack Jack Sparrow is explicitly stated at some point to have been born in the year seventeen hundred. Oh, funny. So he is. If the second one is seventeen four, if the first one's seventeen forty, youngest he's um, no, so he's fifty in this film. Yeah, 
Because this film explicitly takes place in 1750. Does it? Okay. Um. Anyway, uh, so... I guess that's not too old, but Barbosa would be like four thousand years old. Um, no, no, Captain uh, Jack's dad, the um, Captain <laughs> the, Keith, Keith Richards, yeah. who plays Jack's dad in the third and fourth. Who, by the way, another terrible addition to the series. Yeah, well, it, it's, a, it's a great three. idea on paper, but he's not. <laughs> apparently, he he was just got fucking wasted on set. <laughs> oh, right. There's a so just to briefly go back to the third one. When you see Keith Richards as as Jack's dad, um, they ask him a question like how he got out of something, and he goes, "Sea turtles, mate," referring to how Jack Sparrow got off the island he was allegedly yeah. stuck on. Um, and it's delivered with such a lack of conviction, <laughs> like a man who hasn't seen Pirates of the Caribbean, but but yeah. got told sea turtles are a common theme. And it reminded me of that episode of Extras where Chris Martin guest stars on Ricky Gervais's show and tries to do the <laughs> catchphrase of are you having a laugh and it's like it's such this obligatory we got a guest star we'll make him say a famous thing um anyway so he's in the fourth one as well um briefly uh what else do i need to say blackbeard's the villain i guess yeah they needed a better villain in this one however this this film is shockingly inoffensive i've a few times on the podcast referred to it as my prime example for a reverse mandela effect a movie that feels like it should we all know it exists but it feels like it doesn't amplified by the fact that this is the most expensive film ever made this is the most sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry you you go forget you said that um (laughs) <laughs> so um after um the costly production of filming two and three back to back disney decided to scale down the fourth installment gave it a lower budget um uh, so they, they they filmed with on cheaper locations and you did fewer scenes with special effects however with a budget of four of 378 and a half million dollars it's the most expensive film ever made <laughs> It's the most expensive film ever made and nobody remembers this movie. Yeah. That is a fucking tragedy. That is a a bad investment. Yeah. <laughs> no one no one talks about this movie. No one remembers this movie, which is interesting because first of all, I think it's better than At World's End and I know you do too based on your letterbox. Yeah, barely. Scores. It's like it's yeah. more because it, it, like it's probably a worse film like on paper, but it's um uh it's less offensive and and i and i like the fact that it's um it's self-contained yeah it's self-contained and to me while this film is by no means uh you know it doesn't even hold a candle to the first film this is the template with which all the sequels should have been i kind of wish this was the second part of the caribbean film because it's like i reckon like people wouldn't hate it as much if it was the second one Mm. um I, I told you I had the perfect metaphor to describe this film mm-hmm. in relation to the series, a, a classic pop, cult pop Cheerian metaphor. Yeah. This is a PSP movie, <laughs> yeah. right? If the or, first yeah. three are PlayStation 3 movies, this is the one that's like, it's released on, on the PSP and it's like technically canon, but you don't really need to see it. Yeah, like, it's the it's, Golden it's, Abyss, which was PSP, yeah, but yeah, exactly. Uncharted, yeah. yeah, or the, the Dexter. <laughs> Jack and Dexter. Or the Secret Agent Clank. Like, PSP games were always these, like, spin-offs that if you remove them from the series, um, the series still works. Yeah. Um, 
and so I like a lot and this is again this is the only one that's not about an undead crew it's about the fountain of youth and mermaids why did it take four fucking pirate movies to get to mermaids the first thing I'd think of if you ask me about like pirate mythology is mermaids you know um so I like that mermaids are in it I like there's a lot of stuff I I no I don't like it I I'm like oh yeah cool nice yeah, I, I think a lot of people say this is the worst one, but I think it's it's inoffensive at best, uh, like oh, it's unmemorable at best. Yeah. Um, it's it's our second franchise this year, which either does or should have starred Sam Claflin, <laughs> um, who uh, this was his first film role actually, but uh, he's who I said should have played Kyle Reese at some point because he looks identical to the guy yeah. that originally played him, and he plays a Christian missionary who is brought on the ship to. Be, to worry about the soul of Blackbeard and ends up falling in love with the mermaid. And the end of his story is real interesting because he just he's he's dying and then the mermaid's like, I'll kiss you so you can breathe underwater. And then she drags him underwater and that's the last you ever see of him. <laughs> and it's kind of like this weirdly like Did it work? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like I I don't I <laughs> here's a problem with these these sequels. Yeah. There are like six personalities shared across the tens of characters yeah, in yeah. these and this, so there's here are the six personalities of pirates of the caribbean characters you've got the um quirky lackey pirate so like pintle and rigetti they're, they're like you know the underdog pirate servants you've got the charming dapper um young gentleman like uh will turner and the christian missionary and then uh will's son in the fifth one you've got the independent woman who's somewhat out of her time who you know doesn't want to be a product of society like um elizabeth turner angelica is sort of the pirate version of that in the fourth one and then kaya scott Elaria's character in the the um fifth one is like that you've got the um commanding rough captain of a ship so barbosa davy jones blackbeard um salazar and then you've got jack who's the only original unrepeated character <laughs> in the whole series yeah. like the, every character fits into that yeah, mold uh, like yeah, every and, and is, are they just like discount versions of oh of, it sucks of, yeah. it sucks um <laughs> the it's, interesting it's like it, it's like yeah. that. Sorry, it's with the fourth one. It's like they're like we don't have our um, hot boy quota. We haven't reached it. We don't have like an, or the the hole that Orlando Bloom has left here is too big. We need a new character, and so they put the the Christian missionary in there, acting as the Orlando Bloom suppressor, like the equivalent, yeah. you know, the 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 um, substitute. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, the, this movie, the most disappointing thing about this movie to me. Anne McShane is a great actor, um, and God, we've had some great villains up until this point. Barbosa mm. is fantastic. Davy Jones is the Charlie Swan of this franchise, um, <laughs> and Anne um, McShane—they're just like, oh, we'll put a black beard on you, and he's like, oh, cool. Like, what should I have? Like a fun kind of and like, nah, just kind of read your lines. Yeah, like it's just, a, it's yeah. A you, you've got the black beard. Like you, you, like you know that they're, they're trying to come up with the character motivations and like well this is all the information we have about him really so <laughs> um yeah it, it's just it, it's lazy and it's like when, when when we're used to these like fun twists and and salazar in in the following film flirts with the idea of being like having really cool um quirks but kind of doesn't um yeah but yeah so it, he's just so nothing yeah I it agree. didn't need to be Anne mcshane it didn't need to be Anne mcshane um 
the again like Barbosa's back in this one and it's like yeah first of all you're playing your luck having Blackbeard and Barbosa share screen time together when yeah. they're the same character um <laughs> and also just Jeffrey Rush does not look like he wants to be there oh is Judy Dench in this movie I don't think so it looks exactly she's in it for a half a half a minute and looks exactly like Judy Dench let me let me just control if Judy it's no. during the start when Jack escapes the um King George's kitchen or his, his dining room um and causes a ruckus in England and what is maybe the best scene in the movie and at the start of this movie I was actually kind of like I was like hey Jack Sparrow's back I haven't seen him in a couple of movies um but then that quickly dissolves into Johnny Depp clearly too tired to do the rest of the movie yeah <laughs> just try to get that too tired energy um uh so here's a fun little piece of behind the scenes trivia um jerry bruckheimer gave very strict instructions uh to the casting directors that actresses auditioning for the mermaid roles must have natural breasts um, he explained, I don't think they had breast augmentation in the 1700s, so it's natural for casting people to say, we want real people. That's fun. <laughs> the, yeah, here's another ugliness to the that I sort of alluded to before, to the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels, is they're all just too horny. Mm. Like, the first one's not that horny, but the second, the second, well, all the sequels, they've just got this very un-Disney-esque horniness to them that yeah. I just found really upsetting. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, naked mermaids in this, and and um, Jack Sparrow fighting Penelope Cruz, who's dressed up like Jack Sparrow, is very, like, this is making me feel it, weird. It's a fun character introduction, though, I thought. That's true. Um, yeah. uh, and also, uh, Pintel and Rigetti don't appear in this film. They were supposed to... Um, but Rob Marshall was worried that they'd be cut out of the film, so he didn't bother to fucking put them in it. Well, his worries came true. Yeah. They were literally cut out of the film. Yeah. Fucking dick. <laughs> um, also, it's interesting, wouldn't tonight, this, um, this film's based on a book, which is, which is weird. Uh, unrelated to Pirates mm. of the Caribbean. Um, it's just called On Stranger Tide. It's, it's a very influential piece of pirate literature that's literature pertaining to pirates, not um mm. literature that dates back to the the age of pirates um but it, it heavily inspired the monkey island series of video games um that's so which cool was being uh they were actually working on a film of that and then um it was cancelled before it was announced because they found out they were doing pirates of the caribbean that's so cool because it's it basing it on a book feels like a very mature decision made by filmmakers who are like let's bring some magic back to the franchise yeah but then the, the actual movie itself is so uninspiring um well apparently they, they they thought they thought of doing part two about the fountain of youth um and then while making the second and third film, the screenwriters discovered the book and thought, "Oh fuck it, let's just steal this." There's, the, it's everything about the sequels are so close. Yeah, yeah, they're they're so close to being up there with the first one, but they stumble at such important junctures and fall deep, deep below the depths. The depths. Hmm. The uh, depths. What the do you depths, think this has on Rotten the depths Tomatoes? of the depths? God, this must be like twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Thirty-three. Do you know? Want to know how I first saw this film? How it was a cam rip. 
<laughs> it's the only other time I've seen it as well. So I felt like I um I owed it to Pirates of the Caribbean to watch the fourth one because by th- this came out in 2011. So by this point, I was an out and proud denier of the second two films. Like, I was like, the the sequels suck, and he was like, no, they're good, and I was like, nah. <laughs> and so this one came out, and I was like, there is no reason this needs to be bad. Like this could be the the second best one. Yeah. Um. And so I wanted, really wanted to go see it. I, I think I couldn't find anyone to go with to, with me, and I was 18 and had no money. So I was like, fuck it, I'll just download it. And I downloaded a camera of it and watched it and was like, yeah, it's better than the second one, <laughs> which I now wouldn't say, uh, yeah. but it is better than the third one. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just more like, I don't know, it's more inoffensive. Um, the it, fact it, that we don't know what to say about it is testament yeah, to Yeah, like, it, it really is. Eh? Like, it's... um. But yeah, there's a lot of things like for for being the most expensive film ever made, it looks a lot cheaper than the, like. It's mm. so weird how it costs that much. Yeah, Can't I agree. Believe it. I'm in disbelief. Uh, anyway, do you want to move on to the fifth one? <laughs> um, it is Judy Dench. Really? Yeah. What? Well, I knew I because didn't you say you were out of the room when you heard it and you uh, just heard her voice? Uh, I wasn't out of the room. I was in the kitchen, which, um. You know, as um, attached Judy to the Dench lounge. to make out with Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Times. I remember hearing that. It's. I mean, you watch the scene and it's very clearly her. Yeah. But your lack of your lack of assurance made me wonder. Wait, let me just pull it up. Um, this film. <laughs> I, I'm has... watching um a, a camera. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's very clearly Judy Dench. Full circle. Judy this Depp. film has a post credit scene where um. Where so Johnny Johnny Depp Jack Sparrow leaves Angelica on an island at the f- end of the film, um, which I, get, I was like, is this the emotional crescendo of this character arc? Is that he deserts her? I feel like they were going to get together. The whole film builds up how it's, he's the she's the first woman he's ever had feelings for, and yada yada yada. Yeah. And it's this doomed love story, and then he just leaves her on an island because she's too much trouble, too much trouble. And I was like, this doesn't feel like where this character plot, <laughs> these two characters should end. But anyway, she's left on the island, and then after the credits, um, a previously established uh, voodoo doll of Jack Sparrow washes ashore, and she picks it up and sort of grins menacingly, um, never to be revisited yeah. <laughs> in the future films or film i should say yeah i was i was very tempted to make that my um continue the franchise to carry on with that um and maybe it could fit into my continue the franchise some way but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that <laughs> um but first off let's continue uh the franchise um by <laughs> going on to the fifth film dead men tell no tales which came out in 2017 uh this one was directed by uh a couple of norwegian um directors um or Joach Joachim Ronning um, and Espen Sandberg. Wow. Um, what's this one about? What is this one about? Um, this one is about... Fuck. Oh, it's about Poseidon's trident, or Neptune's trident. Uh, I thought it yeah, Poseidon, is not it? Yeah, yeah. Poseidon's trident is the MacGuffin, and Jack is being pursued by um, Captain Salazar, who's an undead sailor um, who is cursed somehow. Um, he's played by Javier Bardem in a wasted role um, where he um, is just after Jack. He just hates Jack Sparrow. Yeah, because and basically, yeah, if he you blames find him th- for being undead, even though it was kind of his fault. Yeah. 
And so the and he's joined he's joined Jack is joined by Captain Barbosa who shows up and with a, a very happy to be there, Jeffrey Rush. Mm. Um and um Will Turner's son who wants to free Will from the Flying Dutchman curse, named his name's Henry, and um a woman named Karina, who is very close to Corona, Richard. Oh no. Um, who is a astronomer a female astronomer and who everyone thinks is a witch. She's played by Kaya Scott Alerio and um, she ends up being Barbosa's daughter um, plot twist, which we worked out means that she would have had to have been conceived during between the third and fourth films, um, which makes less sense because when Jack and Barbosa see each other in the fourth film, it heavily implies they haven't seen each other since Barbosa stole the Black Pearl at the end of the third movie. Um, but but Jack knows that Jack knows who Karina's mother would be. It's very because we were trying to work it out. We we're like she's either the same age as Henry Turner, she's or either she's like, five or forty. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, there's no other possibilities here. Yeah. Um, and so it's a little bit of a of a fuck up of the timeline. But what else are you going to do in the fifth yeah. film in a in a, a series as undead as the pirates involved? Yeah, we we see a flashback to a young Johnny Depp. Um, who looks mm. horrible. Uh, he looks bad <laughs> and he starts talking and it's even worse. Um, but him screwing over Salazar and, and leading him into the Devil's Triangle. Um, and so now they're, they're ghost pirates this time. Mm. <laughs> um, so they're not zombie pirates. It's a twist on a classic formula. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we also see how Jack got the compass. And then at the start of the film, he trades it for some rum and he's quote unquote betrayed the compass which reveals his location to Salazar and like, um, but oh yeah, God. we saw him get the compass and like, it's like, oh, he gave away the compass, but he, he gives it away in literally every film. He's like, here, take this. And then I'll meet you later. Um, mm. But I guess that's not like, you know, betraying yeah. or whatever. I am. I'm so yeah, you mentioned it, that it's um, yeah. Karina is revealed to be Barbosa's daughter. And then at the end of the film, they're like being lifted out of the final battle and Salazar is climbing up after them. He's going to kill Karina and Barbosa sacrifices himself to save his daughter uh making this our second franchise to feature a may 2017 disney film in which a character who hadn't been thought of as another character's father up until the end of the film reveals that they were in fact their daddy all along and sacrifices themselves for their child <laughs> after guys the galaxy the galaxy. yeah so it's got <laughs> the um it's got two plot twists from the first page of the big book of plot twist conventions in this film where one character ends up being related to another character and then another character killed off. A character who's already been killed off, actually. Yeah, I and wouldn't say that being a character being killed off isn't necessarily a plot twist. It's a it's a, no, it's a spoiler. Yeah, spo- maybe that's what I meant. Um, yeah. But... I'm so sick of of the heroes dying or the main characters dying in the series. Well, that's the thing in, in, in this film is that like um the Will, Jack and um Barbosa have all died at least once and just come back. Yeah. And so it's like death means nothing in this franchise. So see you in, in number six, Barbosa. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I don't know if Jeffrey Rush is getting any work these days, um, considering some allegations which uh, came out about him um, very recently. But the same could be said about Johnny Depp. Yeah, George, should we talk about um, a complicated situation? Yeah, should we talk about um, Johnny Depp? Because by this, um, this kind of had a, a 
bit of a troubled production for Johnny Depp. Um, there was a, an article that was written when someone visited the set and kind of painted a very dark portrait of Johnny Depp, um, mm. who is, um, yeah, he, he was getting his lines fed to him in an earpiece. Um, it, he would show up very, very late to see. He was going through, a, you know, starting to go through a divorce at the time. Um, and they eventually had to hire a PA who was just their job to, like, sit outside Depp's house and wait for the lights to come on and be like, he's awake. We can, like, fucking get him. Um, and, he, like, he's definitely got, like, troubles with alcohol and things like that. And there's obviously the whole thing that's going on. There's a court case going on at the moment with uh, Amber Heard. Um, and it's very sad I, I don't know like Johnny Depp it's it's, it's 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 a dicey subject because there are there is accusations that he's abusive but then there's accusations with a lot more evidence that Amber Heard is abusive and and maybe he re- retaliated in some way um but uh yeah the evidence is pretty damning that Amber Heard's the kind of mm. aggressor um and it was for a while there was a very much like cancel Johnny Depp kind of thing but I, I to me I, I I have a little bit of sympathy for him and I and he it's kind of he's in the situation where it's like I just hope he can like get the help he needs before like yeah. like like he needs to go to rehab and because he, he is a genuinely a fantastic actor and like like the the first performance of Jack Sparrow is amazing maybe he just doesn't care anymore he's kind of, he's kind of turning into a bit of Marlon Brando um who actually I think Johnny Depp's only film he's directed starred Marlon Brando and apparently was fucking terrible. Um, or okay. vice versa, or maybe it was Marlon Brando's director. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's. Um, I, I would love to see Johnny kind of return to form a bit, but mm. yeah. And Amber well, Heard, oh God, just get out of Hollywood, you suck. <laughs> you fucking suck. And, I mean, all of that is relevant to Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah. Um, because his performance in, as Jack Sparrow in this um, has all the conviction that I'm sure he had when he dressed up as Jack Sparrow to visit Make-A-Wish Foundation kids mm. in the hospital. Which which like is an amazing thing that he does. He, he famously travels <laughs> yeah, everywhere true. with the Jack Sparrow outfit so he can pop into children's hospitals. Which is a nice thing to do, but I can't, I like, that's what it feels like this is. That, yeah, you yeah. know, he's he's playing the character as if he doesn't need to try very hard. because yeah, because the kids are just going to die anyway, so who cares? <laughs> no, <it's> not like <laughs> that. I mean, I imagine he's not, like, going for his second Oscar nomination as the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah, the kids, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, and, and it's there, was an also, there was also that, um, <laughs> do you remember that, um, because this film was filmed in Australia, um, I think I think it's the biggest production ever been brought to Australia, but it's um, that uh, there was the, the, that famous case of where they brought their dogs into the country and 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 didn't declare them, and Australia mm. has like very very strict biosecurity laws, um, and it's now just in the last month or so in the court case, um, it's come out that like um, Amber Heard's former assistant is like I told her so many fucking times it's illegal to bring <laughs> your dogs to Australia, and she was just like fuck you. Um, and didn't uh and just did it so then they got into trouble she was like i amber heard you the first time (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah they brought it and then they released this video um of the two of them being like yeah uh australia has very like sensitive while it's it's real weird yeah 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 Um, very weird indeed um so, so the film. <laughs> one thing, one thing I like about this film is, 
Uh, there's kind of a fun sequence where Jack Sparrow is in a guillotine and the guillotine platform breaks and the shot is that the camera's like attached to the base of the guillotine and you see him flip up it's upside down and the blade get like sort of like ebbing and flowing back and forth mm. and nearly which isn't how his head um, off. centripetal force works but it's is a fun it not? Scene. interesting <laughs> um i thought that that i remember seeing because i saw this in the, the at the movies yeah i remember <laughs> I, we, we were living together at the time and i remember you being yep. real excited for it oh uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that in just a second um i don't know it's a cool scene that feels pirates of the it, it, would, it would fit in like Ribbian, the second one yeah. not in the first one no <laughs> yeah um so that's cool but yeah so i was very excited for this film because mm. much like this the fourth film i was like there is no reason this can't be a good movie yeah and, and this right? was kind of like advertised as being like the return to form will's back yeah 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 well he's sort of back he's barely yeah back, well i was yeah. advertised like that <laughs> <laughs> um and i thought i remember thinking like well look it's not like um it's not like Fantastic Beasts, where the story, another <laughs> forgotten Johnny Depp um, performance. Yeah. Um, it's not like Fantastic Beasts, where the characters are, and, and the story is ruined. The The story is rotten, and the story is so bad that I don't actually want to see it continue. Pirates of the Caribbean, the next one could be the best one, yeah. you know? Um, because they haven't rotted the, the story components. Um and so I, I went in with that attitude and I remember I saw it with my friend Adam and after it finished, he was just like, man, why did you make me see this movie? <laughs> because I'm sorry to say this is the worst one. It yeah. is. It's got, it's got all the lack of effort of on Stranger Tides with all the offensive story ideas of At World's End. <laughs> um, it's it's yeah. so bad and lame i think the whole barbosa's daughter thing is so unnecessary yeah i, I think, think i'm i'm while this is the worst one i'm more offended by the third one i think because because this one mm. is like obviously it was going to be bad no you know, yeah. no no offense mm. no i knew it would be bad I was yeah. just saying, <laughs> deep down i but, hoped it wouldn't be um, um but yeah so, like, it, it brings back will and you know an attempt to be like oh we're bringing back um the big guns because he declined to return for the fourth one and then between the fourth and fifth one was like oh yeah it'd be kind of cool to come back and play like a bit more of like a villainous character because he's only ever played like pretty boys um and so they're like, oh yeah cool we'll bring you back and then like literally the opening scene is his very young son i think it's set before the post credit scene of the third one um no they've met before though they yeah. talk to each other like yeah. they've met before um, i think it must be like a year later right after that post um scene. anyway yeah so he um yeah, and he's like, oh, I'm going to free you, Dad. And he's like, get out of here. And, yeah. and that's and it's like, oh, my God, are you trying to be threatening, Orlando Bloom? <laughs> like, mm. um, and then, yeah, he doesn't appear again until right at the end because um, you have to divide the trident um, and it will lift every curse. And that's literally just like swing a sword at it, not that hard. And it's every like every curse, every single curse across the entire ocean is broken and then so will appears at the do you think barbosa's pissed off that he went to try and like find 882 pieces of aztec gold that they spent yeah. when he could have just destroyed the trident the whole time yeah um it's such a like um doctor who does this all the time but it's like it does the thing of like um i just just when i used to watch it i remember there being like every dalek across every like all of space time 
is destroyed like in like present and past and future um and then it's like oh we found some that exist outside of time and it's like (laughs) um you know like each person wants to put like a make it real final and then the next person just has to undo that it's like coronavirus slipping back into the country yeah yeah (laughs) once one dialect from outside of of time and space gets in they just spread like wildfire (laughs) lock down the whole country again um yeah, do, uh, do you want to talk about uh, the post-credit scene of this film? Oh my god, it is the worst post-credit scene I've ever seen. Because is it worse than least... Final Do It Myself from Age of Ultron? No, but Final Do It Myself feels like it's saying yeah, yeah, something, yeah, yeah. right? This is from Avengers: Age of Ultron. There's the thing with the MCU um, post-credit scenes is they more or less follow them all up. But yeah. twice now, two movies in a row, we've seen th- well one th- yet to be followed up threads that I don't mean to presume, but I don't think they're going to get mm. followed up. But the the post credit scene of Dead, Dead Men Tell No Tales emphasizes everything wrong with the series, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. So, um. Kira Knightley and Alana Bloom have reunited. Uh, she has no lines, which I'm presuming means she was cheaper than, yeah, <laughs> than if she did have she, lines. Yeah, she, they shot in one day. They relocated to London and shot all the scenes in one day. Well, she's clearly standing against a backdrop and not the yeah. actual Port Royal. Um, and uh, the post credit scene is Will and Elizabeth in bed together, um, looking. They're not like facing each other. They've spe- you know first night yeah, together. In, sleeping, dude. Like in ten years. I don't know. It doesn't. It, they. You were around expect- asleep. I'd expect that'd be up all night fucking, dude. Yeah, maybe it's not the first night. Maybe it's not the first night. Um, and then the door <laughs> like suddenly- comes back after like 10 years and he's like, oh, not tonight. I'm not tired. I'm tired. <laughs> um, the door the door creaks open and a shadow walks into the room and it's very, very clearly the shadow of Davy Jones. Yeah. Right? And, and then walks his up claw to the- is revealed. Yeah, his claw strikes up sort of like Jason Voorhees' machete yeah. and um, Will wakes up with a start only to, 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 to find no one's there and then the camera slowly pans down to some like cockle shells on the at the foot of the bed yeah. implying maybe he was there. Yeah. This is why it sucks because first of all, it's saying maybe it was a dream. Whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> you, we, yeah. What would you prefer? Do you want us to commit to this? Because we left it ambiguous, so we don't have to commit to it. But also, above that, it's like, I do not want to see Davy Jones again. The character was wrapped up. What is the point yeah. in, these, in these epic climaxes to these films? Same with Barbosa coming back. If you're just going to be like, but they are essentially immortal. They're going to come back. He's the fifth character to male... Yeah, yeah, main yeah. character to come back essentially and it's like not only do i not want davy jones to come back just like i didn't want barbosa to come back and also you know why why is he back what <laughs> he, he died <laughs> the whole point of, of the story was that he died but also it once again speaks to what i was talking about before of the pirates of the caribbean series unwillingness to move on and incorporate new elements they are so obsessed with bringing in old stuff with being like remember this this was great this is look now will and elizabeth are back maybe we could bring davy jones back as well and you know sorry for killing off barbosa we can just bring him back as well like it, it gives mm. me no confidence that pirates of the caribbean 6 as is projected i'm, I'm assuming it's gonna be something different now we'll get to that later um but as it is projected in this film i it's like i have no confidence that six is going to be in any way this unique original return to form it sounds like you're just trying to once again play with the toys you already have you're yeah. the you're remixing the second two films essentially yeah, yeah exactly um 
It's horrible. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, funnily enough, so um, Bill Nighy found out that he was in the fifth film from a cab driver um, who was like, <laughs> oh, so you're going to be in, this, in the next one? And he's like, oh, I don't know if they're making the next one. And he goes, oh, you're in the last one. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he doesn't say anything. And you don't yeah, and you don't see his face. face. So it's like, yeah. Like, it, it's one of those things, like, they never use his likeness, so they don't have mm. to get any permission. Mm. Um, it is non-committal. Yeah. It is someone who's too afraid to say they don't want to go on a date with you, so they go on a date with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's it's like, oh, maybe this thing you like is back. It's There's never been a franchise more out of touch with what it should do. Like, movies and especially sequels sometimes have to make hard decisions and do things that maybe aren't the obvious popular choice parts of the caribbean has no interest in doing yeah and um so you talked about like the 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 character archetypes that are used in every film the 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 breeders in this film this the the straight couple the attractive straight couple um (laughs) I just they're just boring it's like yeah again it's like you know you you could have cast some like i mean i'm sure they they did think they were casting this like young up-and-comer but just some oh, they're just will and elizabeth 2.0 these yeah. you could that there's literally nothing that did maybe because she's a she's an astronomer but that doesn't i don't know it's not good enough yeah um but um i will that's say not though, good enough <laughs> <laughs> that's not good enough anybody shout out to all my my stands of the why is the rum gone remix which i've seen more than any of the pirates of the caribbean <laughs> i've never seen it um you've never seen it no nah. it's like they've taken what, the whole sizing guard i just i don't want that's, that's that exactly like taking they've taken the whole sizing yeah. um anyway so, so when so- i messaged you the other day and i said why is the rum gone rum gone why is the rum 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 gone you didn't know what i was referencing yeah i was like the fuck are you talking about Oh, that's that's one of the lines. You've, it's a great remix. Well, you mentioned it on the Discord, and then someone else talked about. It. I figured that I put two and two together and figured it was another <laughs> remix, like the Taking Hobbit Size and Guard. Anyway, what I was saying is um, Salazar on this film it j- ends up just being like um, kind of a boring villain. He's oh, yeah, like waste of Javier, kind of a cool Jesus design that he's got like this this kind of cracking face, and his hair looks like it's constantly underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, so I watched the trailer for this film and there's the bit because his whole thing is like he kills everyone but keeps one person alive to tell the tale. Um, and uh, because, Will's because Dead Men Tell No Tales. Um, uh, and he leaves Will's son alive um, and there's the bit it's in the trailer where he's like, can you get a message to Jack Sparrow for me? And he's like, and, in the tra- and he's like, would you do that? Please? And it's like, and, and in the trailer, I remember thinking like, that's a that's a cool characterization, like the way a polite he's, villain. He's it's, it's 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 cute the way he says please, like it's mm. it's very cordial and and earnest. And then, like if they just followed through with that and made the the characters like entire um, characterization Shtick. based around that delivery, that that could have been great. But instead, they just go, oh yeah, just you're a Spanish pirate. Yeah, it's, they didn't even say just be silver from Skyfall as a pirate. <laughs> yeah. Because that's essentially you're describing silver, yeah. Some, somewhat, you know. Um, yeah, man, Javier Bardem. It's one of those things where it's like Javier Bardem in a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Fuck yeah, yeah. And then it's like, whoop, nope. Um, Paul McCartney is also in this film. Yeah, yeah. 
Because they couldn't get um, Keith Richards. As Jack's uncle. Uncle Uncle Jack. Jack, Also named Jack. The third character in the series named Jack because they named the monkey Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Dumb IMDb trivia. Oh. Uh, So Captain Salazar, Javier Bardem, is the first supernatural villain of the Pirates film franchise who isn't a pirate. Corrections. Captain Salazar Salazar is the second supernatural villain of the Pirates franchise who isn't a pirate. Davy Jones, the villain from the second and third installation of the franchise, is the captain of a haunted ghost ship who abandoned his duty as a guide for the lost souls but technically is not a pirate. Double correction. Davy Jones told the Brethren Pirate Court how to imprison Calypso. It is reasonable to presume he was a pirate when he fell in love with her. Fucking hell. Just Just write one. No, delete them all because they cancel each other out. (laughs) Uh, And also... um. Bruce Spence has been in more than one franchise, Mad Max, The Matrix, Star Wars, and The Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's funny that it doesn't mention Pirates of the Caribbean. I did look it up and he is in it, um, but it's just like, <laughs> oh my God. this is some dumb IMDb trivia, bro. Yeah. Um, uh, also, oh, we, um, the, I had a dumb IMDb, oh, for the, this is for the third film, sorry. Um, Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp's character, waits a whole 33 minutes before making his on-screen presence. I love the idea that after three films, you have to be like, oh, which one's Jack Sparrow? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that he's waiting, like yeah, it's yeah, a stage yeah. play. He's waiting backstage. <laughs> so uh, the, the there was an original script for this film, um, which was written by the the guys that wrote the first three, or one of them at least, um, really? that will ended up being thrown out Um and his theory is that because it had a female villain, um, and he thought it would be redundant with Dark Shadows, um, which has a female villain and also stars Johnny Depp. Oh my god. A female villain is not a... Yeah. <laughs> it's not a trope. <laughs> it's just a, a gender of a character. That's so stupid. It does feel like at this point we need a female villain. Yeah, 100%. Sort of series, it's like Marvel films. Yeah, exactly. Alrighty. So I guess that's all five films. How how would you rank them? Okay, so obviously the third one's the best one. Yeah. Um. No. Look, Tied I, with five. I, <laughs> I would want. I in my heart, I want to want to comically rank them one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Um. But I think I would I would say it's probably one, two, four, three, five. Yeah. Um. The second one is enough in it for me to be like. This is all right. The third one's really confusing, and the fourth one. Yeah, well, yeah. The first one, the this, the second one is like uh, heavily enough Davy Jones that I'm like, fuck yes, daddy, give me more. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the third one is like, oh, when's he coming back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, I don't like in the third one how like he's under the command of the East India Trading Company. Yeah, like it feels weird to see like characters that you would think don't believe in ghost stories they better start but um (laughs) inter interacting with a squid man it's like yeah they should be terrified to see these characters but they all just kind of like oh yep oh yep um but so the the franchise as a whole Mm. What do you think? What is your what is your diagnosis? Um, Price the Caribbean is possibly one of the most frustrating and infuriating franchises we've ever watched. And you said this at the start, but it actually genuinely makes me sad. Like the first oh, it's unacceptable. film is so <laughs> fucking good. It's unacceptably good. Um, it's it's, it's on the Discord. I, yeah, I said it was offensively good. <laughs> um, where it's like I, it, it is. It's that good. Like 
it genuinely is a perfect blockbuster. It has a phenomenal performance in it from Jack Sparrow, uh, Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow, that has now, like, yeah, kids don't know how good that was and what a revelation that was at the time. Um, But, yeah, my God. What a what a what a promise! Two and three, two and three is like TV show plotting. It's real weird. It feels yeah. like this. It feels very Game of Thronesian, like the all the complicated pieces moving together, mm, splitting characters like, up and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like this is how you write a TV show, and I don't want it to be a TV show. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not calling for that. That's not my continue the franchise. But look, man, this I I love the first one so much that. When we rank this franchise later on, like instinctively, I'm going to be like, well, it'll be pretty high because it's such a good franchise. No, it's not. It's actually a garbage franchise. That's the, that, that has- that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I'm still, I still struggle with the fact that, like, yeah, this sucks, but like, because, like, the first one is just that good. Yeah. It's a tragedy, man. It's, it's a, it's a pirate tragedy. I, th- I thought my life was a comedy, but it's a tragedy. <laughs> All I right. have are negative thoughts about the parts of the Caribbean. So <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, man. Speaking of Letterboxd, um, you and I hilariously gave um, the same ratings to all the films. The first three were genuine, and then, like, no, the first two were genuine, and then for the last three, I was like, oh, I'll just do this. Like, I, I don't disagree, but it's like, yeah. I rated um, Dead Men Tell No Tales one star, because you did, and I was like, I very rarely rate, like, a expensive blockbuster one star, yeah. but I'm going to have to make an exception in this case. <laughs> <laughs> like, one, one star and half star are usually reserved for um, either, like, you know, super buddies or the occasional Doolittle or Scoob. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> um, all right. We talk about titles a lot on this podcast. Mm. Um, and there's a, a big title um, thing that we've ignored um, up until now. Uh, that is that Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell on Tales. You might have been listening to this whole podcast for the last hour or so. Um, being like, what? Is there's one I missed? Uh, if mm. you live in certain regions, you might know the fifth film as Salazar's Revenge. Um, what do you think of the titles and what do you think of the, the alternate title for number five? So we've talked a bit before about how about titles. I'm, su- <laughs> I'm such a titly boy. Um, and in the past, I think I've, I've cited the fast and the furious titles and the final destination titles as being the franchise with titles so bad and so frustrating that that's what sparked me caring about titles. Right. But, and I don't bring this up very often because it's a very, this is where, where you go, I can understand, you know, I can, I'm sure people can understand why I find it frustrating that Final Destination 4 is called The Final Destination and then 5 is called Final Destination 5. And, and then I'm, we're getting a I'm sure one I, as well. Yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure I don't have to explain um, the Fast and Furious, why Fast and Furious frustrates me either. But when I, when I was younger and the only Pirates of the Caribbean movies were 1, 2, and 3, I was infinitely frustrated that the first one has like this grandiose title and then the second and third are both three word titles i was so frustrated by that and then i find they're making a fourth one and i'm like oh great they'll be able to break a break the pattern and then the fourth one's called on stranger tides um which now knowing that it's based on a book would ironically probably be the one of the the three word titles i wouldn't want to change because i think it's a cool title mm-hmm. um and then when dead men tell no tales came out i was like well it's kind of a cliche pirate expression. It's hardly as original as the last ones, but at least it's longer. At least it breaks. And, and it, it is a reference specifically to the ride as well. 
True. There you go. Um, but and and just talking to the two, to you about this over the week and thinking about it recently, um, I actually think the solution is not to extend the titles of the three word ones. It's more to take the two that aren't three words and shorten them because Pirates of the Caribbean, as we discussed, is already such a long title that you probably don't need a The Curse of the Black Pearl or a The Dead Men Tell No Yeah, Tales. they de- they deliberately added The Curse of the Black Pearl to like set it up there as a franchise. Um, so my pitch would be either the the first one should either be called Pirates of the Caribbean, Black Pearl's Curse, or just the Black Pearl. Um, then, or just Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah that'll be all right too. Though I kind of do like the consistency of them all having subtitles. Um, and then the fifth one should just be Tell, Tell No Tales. Yeah, I, I really um, like Tell No Tales. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, um, I, I prefer just the Black Pearl to Black Pearl's Curse, um, or just Pirates of the Caribbean um but i guess because then if you call it black pearl's curse uh then you set up like you've got something 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 like the first three are all two words apostrophe yeah i know i know (laughs) um uh and in terms of salazar's revenge maybe you could call it salazar's wacky revenge (laughs) salazar's big revenge um i think i don't think think either salazar's revenge or dead men tell no tales are good titles dead men tell no tales feels like you could almost call any of them that because it's just a pirate expression and salazar's revenge is like who's salazar that's the thing i I like part of me is almost like i i i would rather that they established salazar in an earlier film or just retroactively because like oh this person that jack screwed over in the background was salazar like it's the same as um cats and dogs too the revenge of kitty galore yeah yeah who's kitty galore exact same exact same it's exactly the same well revenge of kitty galore is probably better than dead men tell no tales (laughs) probably ranked um but i mean pirates of the caribbean is a great franchise title um for continue the franchise did you look into any of the like extended media um like actually read it or anything or or do you like because some of there's some interesting titles to mine from there as well uh oh yeah do you do you know them oh there's one that's like armada of the damned oh what's that um, which was a cancelled video game oh um and there's also another video game called the legend of jack sparrow which do you know about the legend of jack sparrow uh i like the the legend or the <laughs> the the game it was a no, PS3, no, ps2 game so set between it came out after dead man's chest but it's set between black pearl and dead man's chest um and it's about jack and will um and elizabeth getting getting caught trying to to steal something and so they get tied up in the gallows and then Jack tells them the stories from his life that nice. you then play as. But in the stories, you can also play as um, Will or Elizabeth. And apparently they're like, we weren't there, Jack. We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so That's you fair. like play him escaping the island on the backs of sea turtles and stuff. That's apparently it, it's not very good. but It, it says it the sounds... game includes action, puzzles, and humorous cutscenes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not I mean, rated very jo- well. Johnny Depp. Um, Plays yes. Jack Sparrow. So, so, so yeah, continue the franchise. There is a bunch of um video games. There's a Lego um video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, so I'm out of the dam. This looks cool. I'm just looking a, at it now. There's a cancelled video game set in the same universe, um, which wouldn't have any of the characters involved, but you'd play an a, an undead pirate. Yeah. Um, and it would be like an open world. Similar kind of to thing. Um, uh, Assassin's Creed kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and then they ended up making um, Black Flag, which is a pirate Assassin's Creed anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, where were we? Uh, Pirates of So, there's also a um, uh, a short film that uh, it's called Tales of the Code, Wedlocked. And it's it's a bonus feature on the um, on the number four DVD. And it's... Um, Ooh. Uh, or, or sorry, it's 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 featured in the like box set they released, um, the fifteen disc, three D Blu Ray, two D Blu Ray, DVD plus digital copy box. No, set. thank you. <laughs> um, uh, so it's set just before the first film, and it's a prequel as to why his his little boat, the Jolly Mon, was seen sinking at the beginning of the first film. One of the best, greatest character introductions of all time. It actually genuinely which, fucking is like, which needs no um needs no context which sounds like this short film provides yeah um <laughs> but and it's also oh, it's uh the wenches that he meets later on i think it sets up why they're angry with him oh my god we do not need the six um but yeah oh my god we didn't even talk about that but fuck the jack sparrow on this tiny little dinghy like he's trying to get water out as it sinks and then standing atop the mast um yeah. as it slowly sinks and then just walking onto what? the pier it's 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 phenomenal Again, because it tells you everything about the character, it's it's sheer confidence and yeah, know, he it's still confidence carries in the face himself. Of adversity. Yeah, yeah, it's he still he still acts like he's cool, mm. you know, <laughs> even though he's on a sinking ship. Um, okay, so um, in terms of new films, mm. in October 2018, it was reported that Disney had been looking for ways to reboot the franchise. Uh, they brought on Deadpool writers Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick producer Jerry Bruckheimer was also expected to return. In mm-hmm. uh, January 2019, it was said that Disney. Um, could save up to $90 million by excluding debt from future installments, although not confirming nor denying the presence of Captain Jack Sparrow. I remember hearing that he'd like officially retired from the role, but it might have just been that. Um, that's like Disney that would save money. I think just probably shouldn't have him in the next one anyway. Yeah. Find um, something else. You've got to move on. You've got to find something else that's as compelling as Captain Jack Sparrow. That that and heed my words. That isn't just a clone of him. Yeah. <laughs> find um, a different way to make an, an interesting character. There is a sixth film in the works. Um, Craig Mazin Mazin is writing. Um, who wrote uh, the phenomenal Chernobyl and is also writing the Last of Us TV series. Mm-hmm. Um. So that that's like a like I mean, but then you look at his film work and it's like a you know, scary movie and <laughs> and the hangover sequels. But um yeah, but interesting to see what he can do with it now that he's a good writer. Um <laughs> But um Kaya Scotelario is contracted to return for it. She confirmed that she's contracted oh for like a tri- they, like okay. signed a contract for a trilogy. You know, just like she uh, might not end up being in it, but if she like she has to do it if they write a character for I her. think I think cut your losses. Yeah, exactly. Include include nothing yeah. from the other movies. But that's that's just that's just how movie contracts work for franchises. Yeah. Um uh Ronning, who one of the was one of the directors um of the fifth film, is returning to direct. Um and oh, it was really? confirmed recently that Karen Gillan, Daisy Ridley, and Emma Watson are being eyed for the female lead, and Bruckheimer is unsure of Depp's role in the film. Um it's funny, Karen like so it's like Karen Gillan, this like um, amazing fun. She's like proven herself in action roles in the Jumanji sequels, um, or two planks of wood, um, like <laughs> two, two like actors who forced into the spotlight, leading these franchises, who 
are not charismatic. <laughs> I grossly misunderstood what this film was supposed to be. Yeah. I thought this was a reboot starring Karen Gillan as a pirate written by Craig Mazin. And I was like, hell yeah, I want that. No, I mean, it's, it still could be there, but we just don't know yeah, enough about it. Um, but yeah, I genuinely would love to see Karen Gillan. I would not like to see Daisy Ridley or Emma Watson take on this franchise. No. Um, well, we've already seen Daisy Ridley in um, every other female character that's been in this film series. Mm. Like, um, Daisy Ridley is from the Kira Knightley school of acting. They they have the exact same cadence in their voice. Like, it's, I, we don't. Daisy Ridley is so on brand for this franchise that you shouldn't cast her. Yeah. You would have nothing. You wouldn't feel original at all. Whereas Karen Gillan's got her own kind of brand. That would be cool to see brought to the the yeah. story. Um, but uh, also, a couple of months ago, it was announced that a female led spin off was being developed. Uh, Margot Robbie is attached to star, and Christina Hodson is writing it. Who wrote um, the fantastic Bumblebee and the not very fantastic Birds of Prey? Ah, uh, I'm happy with Birds of Prey. I think that. I, like- <laughs> I like, think it's 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 yeah. certainly not as good as Pirates of the Caribbean, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not I don't know. Like, like I, I worry with this film that it's going to be like a Margot Robbie vehicle to play a wacky character, um, which is just going to and, and it's and it's going to fail because it's going to very transparently just be like it's female Jack Sparrow. Maybe, and that would that would suck. Yeah, and that that would say like 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 fine, and and you know like why do they these need to be two separate films? Like why do you need to be like we're doing a female reboot? It's like just make Karen Gillan the lead of the yeah. next one. Like it's it's not a female reboot. Yeah. You're just the main character is a woman. Who cares? Um, but but like all female reboot tells me that it's like we're going to do the same thing as the first one, but yeah, make the yeah. characters girls, which I don't want to say. Nothing about female reboot has like nothing that has been marketed as a female reboot has done well. Mm. Like just don't don't acknowledge that it's that make it maybe make it that but don't yeah. use those terms and in, in your announcement of it. Um, man, I'm I feel like I feel like that meme of the guy who doesn't know what button to press and he's like wiping his brow now <laughs> because I definitely only think one of these should go ahead. Yeah. Um, we don't need two I'm, films with women in them. Come on. <laughs> no, I just don't think it's 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 a series that needs to have like a spin off thread. I think just make it the sixth one and yeah, exactly. Have it yeah, l- like start the series. What you, I mean, I guess because we've established five films that like Johnny Depp is your main character. Um, mm. Like if they'd made the original trilogy and then just and then just did another trilogy that had Margot Robbie starring in it um, or yeah. Karen Gillan, you know, fine, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. But because yeah, it's weird now that they you you kind of almost have to call it a spin off. Because it's not going to have anything familiar. Well, just don't call it anything. Just call it Pirates of the Caribbean, blah, 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 blah. You don't need Dead to- Dead Woman's Chest? Dead Woman's Chest. <laughs> that has different connotations. <laughs> I apologize. I did not realize what I was saying until I said it. Um, cool. Okay. What would, what one do you think sounds better? Uh, I'm I, Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely more interested in the Craig, Craig Mizzen one. Craig Mizzen. Mm. Um, and I, I think, and I don't know, Karen Gillan- to me, is is a more kind of interesting and unique star. Like Mar- Margot Robbie's been definitely. Don't get me wrong; she's great, and she's been in some in some fantastic movies. But I don't know. There's something about Karen Gillan that's like, oh yeah, what could she bring to it? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, because because she's great in the Jumanji films, so it's like she's she's proven in this in this dying action adventure genre. <laughs> yeah, but then um, yeah. but then again, like um, Bumblebee, I've you know described as like a perfect uh, family movie as well. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like you know if Christina Hodson can can write something to that of that caliber, mm. I'm fucking sign me the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, I'm conflicted. Yeah, it's not sexism. 
What? <laughs> I'm not being. It's not because I'm sexist. What? Why would it be sexism? They're both about women. Yeah. Um. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for the part of the podcast where you and I both pitch our continuing franchises. Oh. And you said you're worried that ours are the same. I don't think they are now, but okay. I was worried. Do you want to go first? Okay, so Richard, <laughs> this is going to take a while. I've got a lot of oh stuff. Oh, God, here we go. This is, this is the best continuing the franchise I've done in months. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Richard, we, we are living... In a time where all Disney are doing are cranking out these live-action remakes of their animated classics. Let me pitch to you, Richard, the first ever Disney animated remake of a live-action classic. Mm. So I am pitching you and the world. Just It's just called Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Yeah. And it is a remake of the first film um, done in the traditional Disney renaissance 2d animation style right so it doesn't really matter who you cast as anyone because you know i'd be okay with someone who can do a really good jack sparrow voice playing jack sparrow etc etc um but one of the things that it does need is that it needs to be compressed a bit from a two hour 20 minute movie into like a one hour 30 to 40 minute film and uh, And the way that the way that a lot of these, a lot of animated films, condense information is through the form of musicals. So, oh my god, have you written some of, songs for us, Richard? I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the ways, one of the reasons I rewatched the film last night was that I could go through and look for moments that could be translated and compressed into song. And I've got um, varying degrees of effort for different things. Um, oh my gosh! But the the kind of the one thing I want to stress is I have never written a Disney musical before um this is very much you know howard ash yeah uh, this is very much a first draft of a lot of the stuff i'm willing to take on board every piece of feedback but i at first for the first thing i want to do is put in your mind that wonderful 90s renaissance disney visual style of those 2d characters that's what it looks like right It, it looks indistinguishable from from you know it looks like it could have come out in the 90s i also want to kind of rejig it so that um Elizabeth is more clearly the protagonist of the story. You could even say she's a Disney princess because she's mm-hmm. the governor's daughter. Um, Will is the you know the Aladdin type character, and Jack is more of like the the, the um, genie. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So here is what the the so the you buy the soundtrack. Here's what is here's what the songs are. <laughs> So the first song is called A Pirate's Life For Me. This would be the opening song, which um, at the start of the film, it actually starts on Will's doomed ship. Not on, it doesn't, you know, go through the mist and show Elizabeth's ship. We start on Will's ship where, as, when he's a kid. And in this version, it's, it is just another pirate ship. I'm not sure if it was explicitly a pirate ship yeah. that Will was on. So this is one, like the Arabian Nights. The Arabian Nights, exactly. And it's yo-ho, a bunch of unnamed characters singing yeah. a pirate's life for me. You know, then they get attacked by by um, an actual pirate ship and the camera, the camera moves along to um, Elizabeth's ship where she's quietly singing yo-ho, a pirate's life for me, yeah. ending the song, right? Um, and that is the start of the film. Then the next song is called Port Royal. It is the I Want song sung by Elizabeth mm-hmm. and Will and the citizens of Port Royal. Think um, the Bell song yep. from Beauty yep. and the Beast. Um, that sort of thing. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, exactly. Moving around Port Royal, establishing the setting, yada, yada, yada. Um, and you can hear Will talk about how he's in love with her. You can hear Elizabeth talk about how she wants more, that sort of thing. Um, it's very easy to imagine these things, I think. The the, the film being a Disney structure does lend itself mm. to a lot of these cliches already. All right, the next song is is tentatively ca- called uh, You Have Heard of Me, which is Jack's introduction <laughs> song. Um, that is, it's sort of a la One Jump Ahead from Aladdin. One yeah. jump ahead of the punch. Da, da, yeah. Da, yeah, yeah, and it, it sort of introduces this character. Um, musically, though, I would want it to sound, I would want it to be what the Pirates theme music as it is now is based off, right? So when you hear it is a callback to the song, which would be like, you are without a doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of, Ah, but you have heard of me, you know, that sort of thing, right? So yeah, the light motif of would sound like it's calling back to the song and it's as he's escaping after the Navy are trying to take him in um, and he gets all his all his stuff back, um, and uh, there would also be we'd also learn a lot of Jack's fabled sea turtle escape in this because the citizens of Port Royal are also singing it, and we are sta- the the point of the song is they have heard of him, right? right yeah. So everything they're singing is like I heard he escaped on the back of sea turtles, and then <laughs> someone will say something negative about him, and then he'll be like, "But you have heard of me," like as he's like moving past nice. them, right? So again, emphasizing that yes, I am infamous, but part of the word infamous is the word famous. You have yeah, heard of me. Cool. Yep. Um, so, uh, so yeah, everyone's heard of him. The next song isn't really a song. I've called it the chant of the black pearl. And this is when the black pearl attacks Port Royal and it would not be a full fledged song, but would be the crew chanting something over and over. Um, I've written as a placeholder, uh, we are cursed. We are cursed. We sail the seven seas. We are cursed. We are cursed. Da, 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 as they're yeah. attacking, right? Um, and Can I that, just ask, I've, how many tracks are on the soundtrack? Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. But two of those, four of those are the same song, just reprised. Okay. okay. Um, and so that's as they're attacking. That's the Hello Poppet yeah. stuff is done with that kind of, um music playing in the background which leads directly into the next song which is the villain song which is of course called best start believing in ghost stories parentheses you're in one (laughs) so this this is a full-on deliciously evil song this is this is barbosa's be prepared from the lion king right um they it's his his wait for it from hamilton yeah yeah so (laughs) (laughs) so because that scene is so chaotic anyway it almost feels like an accompaniment of a song is is a natural fit for that right so it's barbosa singing it with the the pirates also you know chiming in for the odd line like the a thousand bad guys with swords style <laughs> like you know like bits and pieces um yeah. from other other characters um it starts with the dinner scene between barbosa and elizabeth where he's telling her about the curse before hitting the chorus with the iconic line and it can it can convey the information of the curse in song form um the next song is called Tortuga or Able-Bodied Crew, which is essentially compressing the whole Tortuga and crew assembly into one song. Um, it would end with them getting to Ila de Murta. Um, you know, so, th- so it ends with like, we're an able-bodied crew as they're on the ship, yeah. like sailing out to... Yeah, nice, to, nice. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, then the next song is called Load the Guns, and this is the battle between the Black Pearl and the Interceptor, to, again told through song. I don't have any real like musical ideas or lyrical ideas, but I did think um, Jack yelling, Stop blowing holes in my ship! could be a fun little punchline, like something in the line before it rhymes with the word ship, and then cut to Jack being nice, like, Stop yeah. blowing holes in my ship! Nice. You know, and because also that's, that's already like a, a quite a comical scene, how they're, they're, lo- they're loading it with... Um, the cannons with like cutlery yep. load the guns load the guns load the guns and they're loading it with whatever they can find right yeah. I mean it's a sort of a song that a bunch of different characters can pop in to sing different parts okay the next song I've just called Elizabeth and Will and this is the only emotional beat I'm adding to the story which is while they're marooned on the island so Jack and Elizabeth are marooned on the island in between when Jack passes out from being drunk and elizabeth burning everything she sings of her love for will and will is also singing of his love for elizabeth so this is um the the kitchen's not the same without you from spongebob yeah it is or um (laughs) it could almost be a bit like um i won't say i'm in love from hercules that sort of thing um the next song is called take a walk and this is when barbosa's like when captain jack like says you can be commodore barbosa and then he's like man the ships and barbosa looks at him and he's like you you give the orders and he goes man take a walk so this is the 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 brewing battle between the navy and the black the undead pirates of the black pearl and it's both sides singing and it also is a medley of all the previous songs in this in the film right so it cuts it'll be like you know we're taking a, we're taking a walk no something <laughs> Some, something more more bellowing and more um more uh i don't know daunting then it'll cut to elizabeth who at this point in the story is locked up on the on the um the ship and she she sings a, a couple of bars from elizabeth and will Cuts yeah, to this is the um, one day more from Lemmers. One day more, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, and then the next song is when Will helps Jack escape from the gallows at the end, and it's a "You Have Heard of Me" reprise, but now it's Jack and Will singing it together. So they're both going da 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 as they're like tripping up the navy yeah. with a piece of rope, that sort of thing. Um, and then the final song is a pirate's life for me reprise as the new crew of the Black Pearl. I'm closing out the yeah. film with a pirate's life for me, which is essentially what happens in the film anyway. Yeah. Uh, but Richard, I've written one of these songs. A <laughs> first draft of one of these songs. Can you guess which one it is? Uh, Stop blowing holes in my ship, that one. No, I have written. I I've tentative first draft for best start believing in ghost stories. Oh, yeah, You're course. in one. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to sing it for you right now. <laughs> I would love that. Okay, so there is multiple characters singing the song. So this this is my Barbosa voice. This is my Elizabeth voice. And then when I change voice, it'll be like one of the pirate zombies yeah. who chimes in for a line. Okay, here's how it goes. <clears throat> this is Aztec gold. Blood money paid to stem the slaughter of Cortez. But the greed of Cortez was insatiable, vicious and deadly at worst. So the heathen gods made it so any mortal who thieves but a piece from the chest will be cursed. I hardly believe in ghost stories, Barbosa. 
I've not since I was a girl. Aye, that's exactly what I thought when first told the tale. But we found the gold at the edge of the world. We took them all, spent it, traded them and frittered them away for food, drink, money, and pleasurable company. But the more we spent, the more we lost. The more we knew we had to pay. And this is when the energy starts ramping up and she starts getting scared and like backing away. And he goes, soon drink would not satisfy. Food turned to ash in our mouths. We are cursed men, Miss Turner. Compelled by greed we were, now we drown. We feel nothing, neither pleasure nor pain. We're not alive and we cannot die. Not the cold from the deep, nor the heat from the sun. You'd best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the chorus that it goes... This is another pirate, pirates, different pirate singing. It goes, For too long I've been parched of thirst and unable to quench it. For too long we've starved to death and haven't died. I feel nothing, not the wind on my face, nor the sting of the sea in my eyes. Back to Barbosa. The moonlight shows us for what we really are, and there's only one way we can end our curse. All the scattered pieces of the gold must be restored, and the blood repaid that's yours. What of me when your debt is paid? Will I be released when you're done? That all depends on whether or not you behave. You'd best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. And then the par- all the pirates sing, We are cursed, we are cursed, we are cursed, sailing on these seven seas. And that'll be when she's like thrown up. <laughs> On the blanket and all that sort of says, we are cursed, we are cursed, we are cursed, sailing on these seven seas. You're welcome to swim, but there's nowhere to run. You'd best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. And then all the pirates go, you're in one. And that's the end of the song. <laughs> Very good. It's a, first, it's a first draft. It's a first draft. All right, well, I we'll wrote this at 3 a.m. Tune in next time for um, the, 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 the second draft. If anyone would like to take any of these ideas and create actual songs out of them, that would be amazing. Um, at Carlisle. I don't know if we, how many musical fans we have. Yeah, Carlisle, if you're listening. Um, I'm like, I was like shaking performing that because I was so nervous. <laughs> um, that was very good. I, I All week, I've been so proud of my continue the franchise and you just fucking, yeah. I should have gone Aww. first. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, my one um, isn't anywhere near as well thought out as yours. Um, I'm sorry, but I um, but that was very good, very most effort, <laughs> more effort into your continuing the franchise than I put into the entire podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so my continuing the franchise, um, we have a rule that it's not super explicit, but um, the film has to come out now. It has to be how you would continue yeah. the franchise if you if you had to make something today. However, um, idea like okay, you could rework this and make it work now, but ideally, this would be parts of the Caribbean four and would have come out in two thousand eleven. Okay, mm-hmm. so bear with me for that. You can do plot contrivances to make it happen uh, nowadays. So this this is my idea, and this is like what I think, and I, I was so proud of this idea that like this should be you make the imagine imagine the the first three are the perfect trilogy we described earlier, where it's like you got David Jones, then like Norrington becomes a, a better villain. Um, mm-hmm. You wrap that up; it's all tied off nicely. But then there's the tease at the end that he's going off looking for the Fountain of Youth. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean four starts cold open in media res. They're at the Fountain of Youth. It's a classic jack sparrow one step ahead of everyone 
amazing fight scene. Everything's dynamic. And then he mm-hmm. finally drinks from the Fountain of Youth. And then through some kind of hilarious mishap, uh, he finds out that it doesn't just give him like extra life. It makes him immortal. And then we cut mm-hmm. to 400 years later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, 350, 250 years later. Um, and it's set in modern day. And it's like, <laughs> you could even do that. He's been sailing the seven seas. He's lost. And then, like, so I imagine the title would come up. And then it's like, Jack's piloting the ba- the Black Pearl. And then, because he got it back off Barbosa, I guess. Um, and then, like, a cruise liner just goes in the background of shot. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so it's like, now we have this new trilogy, the Pirates of the Caribbean set in modern day. So you're already not trying to recapture the magic of the first. You've got, mm. it's the same franchise, but it's like, you would have like, oh, the the past trilogy and the present trilogy. Um, and I, I, I was trying to brainstorm like ideas of like where the plot could go. And it's like, it's one of those things, you kind of have to have Jack Sparrow be the character. Because it's like, right. if you just said, oh, here's a new pirate character and it takes place in modern day, it's like, well, you know, there's there's no, I mean, you, you could kind of, it's still kind of interesting, you, the fish out of water kind of thing. But it's like, if we're following Jack Sparrow, like that's really what you want to see. And so, you know, he would like end up getting on land and, or maybe he could have become the, the captain of the Dutchman. And then it's like, we see like, his first yeah. time on land because he got lost is like <laughs> 250 years later. Um, but yeah, I think that would be like a fun place to take the franchise that's like unexpected, but also kind of like, it, 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 I don't know, like in a sense, despite how like purist we've been throughout this whole podcast about like what the first one does and like, it feels like it doesn't really like betray where the franchise well, could go or, like- or like where you would expect a Disney franchise to go. It, there's no going back. Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. Um, but it's at this point, it's like I've my investment in the series is so low now that fuck it, do something like this then. Yeah. Um, do the cancelled Gladiator sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, because I, I was re- I was really interested to know what you thought of it because it's one of those things that I was like, fuck yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, sure. At this point, if if you know, ten years ago, I might not have been as keen on the idea, but now I'm like, oh my god do something yeah um, <laughs> they do this and it's just about undead pirates and david jones comes back and it's yeah. like no yeah yeah i can't think of like what the actual conflict would be but you'd have like a lot of like interesting things like he goes into a store and there's all these kinds of rum and he's like oh i could get used to this <laughs> there would be a line in the film but it would be i could yeah. get used to this there'll be a, there'll do be his you- new catchphrase that'd be like people would get on shirts <laughs> <laughs> uh all right well that's kind do you, of do you have a do you have a title um pirates of the caribbean on stranger tides <laughs> it works <Wow. laughs> on, on future tides um days of future tides <laughs> uh, all right so now it's time for the part of the, for the podcast which we mentioned uh earlier um which is mm-hmm. ranking that um so um we've got a nymphomaniac constant which is the this is on letterbox.com this is on letterbox.com yeah you can find that in the show notes um so the perfectly average um franchise is nymphomaniac because one is really good one is really bad and they cancel each other out so we've kind of used that um as the midpoint uh, it's currently at number 46 we're mm. uh presumably we both agree this goes below that 
It's hard. It's hard because it's like so surrounding Nymphomaniac. At 44, we've got High School Musical. At 45, we've got The Mighty Ducks. At 46, we've got Nymphomaniac. And then at 47, we've got um, Goldeneye, the Pierce Brosnan Bond series, which, you know what? That does echo the same trajectory as Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Yeah, maybe it goes... It's very close to Nymphomaniac, I think. Interesting, yeah. Do you think, I would say there's an argument at least that it would go above Goldeneye, above the Pierce Brosnan films because the sequels are all bad, but... It's an interesting franchise. It's an interesting franchise and also, like, Curse of the Black Pearl's better than Goldeneye. Yeah. So if we're judging it by the merit of its best film, then it's above Goldeneye. But are the sequels so bad that we throw it down more to where the hobbit is at 55 which again is another almost um parallel mm. how bad are the sequels that's what we're saying and we're judging it as a franchise so so or maybe got- does it belong next to twilight so that davy jones and charlie swan can be together as two of the greatest characters ever put to film I guess so. Twilight is is a very different kind of bad to the Pirates of the Caribbean mm. sequels. Should we go between Goldeneye and Twilight? Okay, so forty eight that would make, yeah. make it. All right, it's locked in. That's such a shame. What a shame that mm. the franchise goes there. Imagine if every film was as good as the first one. Imagine, imagine, and like that first one is probably one of the best films we've watched for the podcast. Yeah. You know, but the sequels have such bad faith that they. They they are cast that low. Um, yeah, well, that's a shame. <sighs> oh, well. Hey, it is what it all is. Right. Um, it is what All it right, is. now it's time for our final, kind of final, f- segment. Hooray. Because we've also got a post-credit scene coming up. So stick yeah. around after the show for that. Um, okay, this is Franchise Roulette. So we've mm. got a list of uh, 170-something franchises. Uh, which we are going to cover next week. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I've got a random number generator. AJ, have you got the list open? I can get it open. Um, so, yeah, basically what's going to happen is Richard's going to draw a random number, and that random number will then correlate to a franchise on our list, and that will be the franchise we cover next fortnight. Um very exciting. We don't get to do this enough these days, so yeah, be interesting I'd to see like to take we... every opportunity we can to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, so, because this was suggested by our Patreon, we we didn't mention that the entire podcast. Mm, um, yep. For just one dollar, you could you too can suggest a franchise. Pirates of the Caribbean, what a great franchise suggestion. Yeah, it was very, it was a Thanks fucking so heated um, poll as well. Uh, they're, they're getting heated every every month now. They get heated. All right. Here's the random number. 124. All right, franchise number 124. Oh, shit. What is it? Uh, There's no getting out of this one. (laughs) What? Mate, get me to guess it. Um, Well, you'll be happy. Um, And I'll I'll be extremely lost, despite apparently, I guess I'll be captaining this episode. Um... It's um. <laughs> is, it it, is it Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah. <laughs> it says there's three, maybe four movies. Uh, let's let's look into it. Eh? 
we're doing this is this is our third this will be our third franchise which is based on a tv show after sex in the city and the spongebob movies and i always feel like i'm cheating doing tv show movies because it's like it feels like i need to watch the tv show to fully grasp (laughs) what's happening here how accessible are these movies to oh my god not at all (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um okay so um okay the thing about um japanese films is that like they will often release like shorter than usual films and in, in cinemas like they're the, the general and theatrical releases so there's Oh the 1999 film which predates the um dual monsters anime um because there's there's what's called a season zero of the show and i cannot wait for you to tell me all about this <laughs> um and so there's a 30 minute um theatrical released movie about that which i think is on youtube and then there's pyramid of light which was made by the west and is and and it is immediately decanonized in the episode that follows it um then there's bonds beyond time which honestly i'm going to be lost in <laughs> which is um uh because there's uh the Yu-Gi-Oh um anime that most famously features yugi and yami yugi um there's like five or six spin-offs to that and there's one um there's a movie that features three of the protagonists um who somehow meet across time and then there's dark side of dimensions which takes place after the dual monsters anime um and was released only a few years ago how long are these movies? Um, so Pyramid of Light and Dark Side of Dimensions are like full-fledged movies, like 90 to 100 minutes. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! 1999 is 30 minutes. Bonds Beyond Time is 50 minutes. Feels like those those ones don't count then. Well, I mean, they're theatrical released. It's an interesting... Um, I mean, we watched a couple of episodes of Spongebob when we covered that. Oh, <laughs> Which was your choice to classify them. So, this shouldn't be on the list. This is a two-film franchise. I mean, it is. Oh, this is bullshit. This is some <laughs> bullshit. Uh, I watched... Richard recently got back into Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, <laughs> in the last year or so. And I caught a couple episodes on TV that my flatmates were watching. And I messaged him and I said, been watching Yu-Gi-Oh! And he's like, oh yeah. And I was like, not very good. <laughs> and he said, yeah, man. <laughs> um, yeah. People on the Discord are going to be very happy about this. <laughs> I, l- I, I, which- I love that you're running it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, join the Discord, everybody, along with all our other social medias. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube uh, and Twitter at Culpopture, um, or you can email us at culpopturemedia at gmail.com. Tell us um, why we are so wrong about the the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Tell us why they are way better than we've given them credit for. Um, I really, really want to hear your thoughts, and I will definitely read your comments. <laughs> I actually will. I actually will. Read your comments, um, but I, nothing will change my opinion. Do you know what's funny as well? I, I'm we've had someone staying with us um, for the last week or so, and so um, uh, like she 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 hasn't been working at the moment because lockdown and everything. But um, uh, so in the morning because I've been working late shift. In the morning, I've been watching the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels, and I felt bad like being like, oh, I have to watch these for my podcast. Like you know, like do you want to watch them with me? Now, to to now have to do that with Yu Gi Oh the movie. Um, a famously horrible movie um <laughs> oh god 
Like this feels it's this bad feels if you like the show. The I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this. Um, Fuck. <laughs> I'm I'm angry. I'm angry because I don't think they should be on the list. But too much content has been born from this discussion <laughs> for us to even think about not doing it now. <laughs> to do we record it? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It's like, look, we've had a lot of discussions lately about what counts as a film franchise. And you and I vehemently defend the inclusion of the Red Curtain trilogy, not because every film franchise that, like, every set of films that was released on a box set is a franchise but it's an interesting exception it's an interesting thing to talk about um you know we're used to our western film releases and so it's interesting to talk about to include that i mean that's what i think i mean like uh, like they were theatrical released their films they refer to them as films However, having said that, we probably should have watched um, the first two episodes of Inhumans for um, the MCU because they were theatrically released as well. <laughs> All right. Well, I can't wait to hear what people think about this. Um, oh God, this I is. Am... Um, fuck, we're playing with fire. I'm just realizing now. Like, God, where is this gonna go? <laughs> I cannot. I'm... wait. I genuinely cannot wait for this episode. Oh. God damn it! I do not. I just dead ass do not want to watch the Yu-Gi-Oh movies. <laughs> get your flatmates. Get or like, get, like get your flatmates who like Yu-Gi-Oh and get them to. They moved around. out. Oh well, have them over. You're in. Oh my god! <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's. I guess it is. What it is. <laughs> Yar. Um, stay tuned for our post-credit scene. Um, it'll be better than the Pirates of the Caribbean ones. Um, and Richard, we're something, something, and really bad eggs. Drink up, me arties. Yo-ho! And now bring me that horizon. That horizon. He says a rendition of that in the fifth film. It's dumb how, you know, the the film ends with him saying, bring me that horizon, and then there's the band, bring me the horizon. It's like, why would you name yourselves after a misquote of a film? (laughs) All right, everybody. Goodbye. Yeah, bye. 
I think. So what do you, do you um, have any immediate ideas? Well, I think ideas? mine, it's not like so much um, I would instantly, instantly object to something going in, but it's like, it's more the lack of, um, and so I guess this, this is the alternative, is that it, it, it needs to be more about how old they are. Like, it, right. it's weird that they're just like, yep, we're just a bunch of mercenaries in our 60s. Mm. And it's like, yeah, like it should be. I, I don't have a problem with your first movie being the One Last Ride movie, you know? Mm. Um, that because, because you have baked into it all of this, um, all of the real world lore of these guys' careers and the fact that they're all yeah. teaming up. Um, and then, you know, you can you can make some convoluted reason why they come back in two, three, four, five, six. Um, but the first one from the get-go should already be about how they're aging mercenaries. And, you know, they're the ones that um they're 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 the fact that they're expendable should be more like it doesn't care if some fucking 70 year old mercenary dies trying to yeah. take down eric roberts um it's a bad t- it's a good title but it's a bad title for the franchise yeah the fact that they're expendable is not really true and also rarely brought into the yeah into the and, and like um you know it should be more about jason statham like having to earn his place among the ranks and stuff like mm. or there should be i don't know i feel like there's just a lot more uh world building that you would kind of assume would be there not not, like before you watch the film you'd assume like oh you know like it's a bunch of aging mercenaries but it's like they are aging but it's never brought into it the the expendables title should have a double meaning it should both be because they are like warlord mercenaries but also because we live in an ageist society that doesn't value the elderly mm. like that we consider the elderly expendable as a society and that could be a fun little double meaning that would go almost certainly underappreciated from its main target audience <laughs> <laughs> 